the What Are You Doing Movie Archives. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has this to say about Down in Front. A long-form audio discussion had in weekly bursts by a small bunch of idiots on the planet Earth, primarily discussing the form and craft of filmmaking, and secondarily meant to be used for entertainment when masturbation is not an option. The Encyclopedia Galactica adds that it fails in both respects. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yay, don't panic. Don't panic. I uh, won't no, enjoy I, it. <laughs> don't panic or cheer. I won't enjoy it. Uh, go ahead and pop in your DVD or blurry, press play, press pause when the Touchstone logo fades to black. The first frame you perceive of all black after that logo fades down, press pause. And in a second, I'll say three, two, one on pause, at which point I'll press play. You'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except, of course, this time with four friends in your head. Those friends this week are myself, as always, T. Christie, uh, Brian William Venifter. Greetings. Michael Darkman Scott. Hi. And Shrey the Amazing Stokes. <sighs> this movie... Okay, hold on. This mo- <laughs> this movie. Let's see what the guide says about this movie. The, yeah. yeah, the Hitchhiker's Mostly Guide. Harmless, we we live we live in a world where yeah. the Hitchhiker's Guide now exists. Exactly. By the way, yes. we're yes. surrounded yes. by them. Two right people now. in this room have bought one this yeah. past week. Indeed. Uh, okay. I love I love the book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I loved hearing it read by Stephen Fry. I haven't heard the old radio drama. I saw the BBC uh, miniseries that that came out back in the day, and I've enjoyed it thoroughly all the way through. And this movie. I hadn't seen since it came out, and in the intervening years, I had become a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so I wanted to revisit it and see how it was. And I'm watching it, and I'm sort of like really, really digging it, and I'm having, I'm like, all right, well, this isn't perfect, but they're doing a manageable job. This is on a slightly sub-Watchman level of, all right, well, they're getting us through it on that level. <laughs> they're hitting is, all yeah. the beats. Yeah. And yes. then all of a sudden, it's John almost, Malkovich yeah. shows up, yeah. Yeah. And, and the movie kind of heads left at about 100 miles an hour, actually at R17, and... Um, <laughs> Nice. I, I think you could do a phantom edit of this movie where you just, when they arrive at Hamakavula's planet, you just cut that, the, and then just cut to when they arrive at Magrathea, and then you basically have the book again. You just cut from them landing to the, the, the hippo people, you right. know, the showing up and taking and taking the president away. And all they, they arrive at a planet, and it's Magrathea. Cut out but, 30 minutes, you lose the trillion subplot that well, they but, invented but for the movie. But let's be fair, I mean, it's, it's not like Douglas Adams was terrifically... Uh, um, uh, faithful to his own work. Every yeah. time he readapted it, he completely changed shit and added right, right, new right. stuff. And, right. and supposedly the Malkovich thing was even his idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Along with most so. of the changes in the movie, they were at least kernels of his ideas that he had fleshed out to varying degrees since the movie was in production hell for 20 years. Some of them are 20 years old and fleshed out by him. And some of them were like, you know, we should do this. And he died. And that was like, and someone was like, okay. It's the, the Roddenberry syndrome. Right, exactly. <laughs> where it's it's sort of a mishmash of things. And I wonder if it's even a strong choice in, in something like this with, with so much history and so many hardcore fans already to start playing with that kind of thing if you're not Douglas Adams. I understand yeah. that they felt like they had their they had his blessing. Like Spielberg had Kubrick's blessing. It's like I feel like they understood that they had his blessing, but they also had the ability to say, you know what? Here in a universe where I'm, I have the blessing of Douglas Adams to, to fuck with the Hitchhiker's Guide, I think I'm just going to do the book because that's the most pervasive bit of Hitchhiker's Guide out there. And, yeah. and not start throwing in things that... I don't know. They're, again... The movie is sort of hit or miss. It has moments that are really great. I enjoy Marvin. I really oh, love. Really? I love the. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> he's, he's my least successful part of the. Well, movie. I like Alan Rickman's voice, vocal performances. Yeah, Marvin. okay, fine. But Willow, uh, Willow is my problem with that. Yeah, one. Warwick Davis is okay. Anyway, uh, and I also love. I think it's Warwick Davis is the concept. But anyway, go ahead. Um, the uh, and the factory floor of Magrathea is stunning, yeah, and I really love that. Stuff. And the Vogons, yeah. I think, in general, are, oh, God. are exactly what I thought mm. the Vogons ought to be. They they nailed that. Anyway, know? Brian, what's your thing with Hitchhiker's Guy? What's your history with it? What do you think of the movie? Uh, I read it as a kid, and I think I read. 
um, Restaurant Theater in the Universe, I think that's as far as I went, and then I saw it when it first came out, and then uh, we decided we were going to do it, so I revisited. At the time, I when it came out in the theaters, I was like, well, that was... Something definitely got lost in translation there, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that was. But it's mostly harmless. But yeah. it's mostly harmless. It's there. Uh, Even the, the Cinefix article for this movie is titled "Mostly, mostly Harmless." harmless. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was like, okay, well, something definitely got lost there, but all in all, that was pretty decent compared to what most trans- uh, adaptations turn out to be. Um, and then later learning that, uh, you know, I had always assumed, without knowing the history, that the book came first, and then radio play, and then the miniseries. Right. That it's like, no, the 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 radio show is Radi- actually the first. radio show is the original. And yeah. the, but and the, then learning the fact that that's each individual iteration of this is is different than and we we have people on our forum that once they when they told us that or when we said we were going to do this they're like oh the the movie is a yeah. is a travesty that's, it's it's and that's that's the problem that's heretical the, it's, the, but, uh, but no it's not you can't you can't pin it doing to a that. feature of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as a director's Kobayashi Maru you, yeah. you there's going to be one fifth of the of the fan base or two fifths or three fifths that are going to go that's totally not what Hitchhiker's Guide is about yeah you know no I, matter which one exact, you base it off exactly of. so directing Hitchhiker's Guide is to make you experience fear. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so you think the movie is actually better than people give it credit? Well, for? I, I rewatched it yesterday, and I actually reread the book uh, as well yesterday, and uh, it, I felt it was less successful than I remember <laughs> it being. Um, there's definitely it's hard because uh, the book itself, I remember the book being a lot more like unfilmable funny mm-hmm. than like narrative funny. The narrative way the, the, funny. The, the yeah. narrator is being funny. The 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 narration itself the actual prose of the book is witty and that's where a lot of the humor and a lot of the humor that you remember is coming from. But there's a lot of stuff that I read yesterday and then watched. It was like, Oh no, that's, that's brilliant and perfectly filmable and not in this film. And Mm. I don't know why. Right. right, Uh, right. So, but it took maybe a notch down based off of what I remembered, but still it's like something got lost in translation, but there's still a lot of good material there. Do you agree that we should just take out like the, the, I think that third half hour and just make it a, 90-minute movie that doesn't have that I think the definite biggest jumping of the rails is absolutely the John Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich, I call him. Yeah. Anyway, Dorkman. I'm a Kavula. What's your experience with uh, Hitchhikers in general in this Uh, movie? I read the uh, all five books of the trilogy uh, in in college, um, and I loved it. I I thought it was great. I don't remember what spurred me to read it, because I don't think it was that the movie was coming out. It hadn't been announced yet, but... Um, I just I somehow got a hold of like the giant you know uh, collected copy and just plowed through it oh, wow. and it's it's you know it's terrific it's it's hilarious I didn't uh, I also assumed that that was first and then right. all the other adaptations and stuff I haven't heard the radio dramas uh, I haven't seen the BBC show I do remember seeing the BBC show as and you a walk kid. around telling people you're British you're not British at all <laughs> I well, uh, but um, <laughs> just plow through dude plow through all right so anyway um and then I, I saw this I I agree that um. There are things, there are obviously things that got lost in translation, but I also agree that it's not fair to be like, this is a travesty and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. well, I can imagine this being much worse. They, they, didn't cast, they didn't cast Arthur and Ford with, like, the, the most recent winners of Pop Idol, and yeah. they didn't do, it's like... the cast they, of Twilight. Yeah, there, they could have they could have fucked this up. I don't think they fucked this up. I just think it's kind of weak sauce. Um, and in large part because, like you said, a lot of the humor comes from the narration, comes from the prose. Yeah. It's like, you know, Douglas Adams... You know, he could he could describe a teacup, and it's fucking the funniest teacup in the universe, and that's awesome. And then in the movie, it's it's a teacup. teacup. There's just a shot of a teacup, and it's like it expects you almost. The movie, in in some ways, expects you to be like, "Hey, I remember when that was funny in the book." 
you know, uh, it's, it's like full of references to the book, visual references to the book, yeah, and you're yeah. expe- or, and or the radio player, or whatever, and you're expected to be like, I remember that. Yeah. That's there's that a was really funny in another version. There is yeah. a really funny story <laughs> behind that. And that, a that of, is a really funny sentence in the book. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the problem also is uh, for me. Uh, having f- thought about it, I, I haven't revisited this, so like I don't even. I, I apparently have blocked out the John Malkovich thing almost entirely. <laughs> I, I remember like ah, one chew. image of him, but you're, you're going to recognize what's happening, and yeah. then you're going to not be recognized. Right. Everyone remembers happening. the little half body with the golden legs, right? You know? Yes, but that's what, what I remember. Whatever else happened, you know, that's what kind of that's what I remember, and I'm like, where is? Well, and but that's yeah. Go ahead. I, I, the the last thing is, I I think that part of the problem is the pacing, because the the Hitchhiker's Guide book, um, books feel very kind of manic and they're just kind of reeling from one thing to the next and things are just constantly happening it's a book of sidebars yeah and and this and this movie um is much more slowly paced it's kind of taking its time which is weird because it's a music video director you'd think it'd almost be moving too fast but i guess he tried to go in the other direction and it's just it, it it i could see it working like if it was like you know it it if it was done like the way Terry Gilliam did Brazil, just this manic, weird, insane world that yeah. no one really acknowledges that it's crazy, but it's so totally crazy, you know, stuff like that. That's kind of the way that Hitchhiker's Guide maybe ought to be. And this one tried to shoot straight down the middle, and it did, but that's not what makes Hitchhiker's yeah. funny. You, you, didn't, you didn't get the mainstream audience, and you didn't get the fans. Yeah. yeah. So, Trey? I, uh, I came to the project, uh, the concept of Hitchhiker's Guide, first as the books. Um, and then realize that there's a radio version, which I've never heard the radio version, but I do own the radio version scripts, so I have read through them. And of course, there's a million things where you go, "Oh, that would have been cool to put that in the book. Why didn't they put that in the book?" You know, because. And I think I think in every incarnation of Hitchhiker's Guide, you can see the radio roots in it because of what you were saying is the humor is largely verbal. There's a narrator who walks you through it, and half the joke of it of its origins on the radio is to describe these things that couldn't possibly be seen. Yeah. You know that yeah. you could you, that you're, would, you can only imagine. So then when you have to do it as a television series or as a movie it's like well somebody actually has to build that goddamn thing and how somebody gonna, has to photograph that. how are they going to make that actually work and i think the the the, the one uh, that you can see in here where i if it was me i probably would have gone the same way is like where are zaphod's two heads and three arms yes and yeah. the, the answer is they're mostly off screen deal yeah. with it because we're not going to do sam rockwell with two heads for the entire movie um, but like, but, but it's and like I, as a filmmaker i understand that um but it, it was like what you're saying i was i i flip through the Cinefax to look at this. I think part of it also is they almost kind of took it too seriously. Like they, be, being like it's Douglas Adams' baby and yeah. he's dead, so he can't give us any more blessings. So than he's he has now canonized. Yeah, yeah, so we now got to so stay locked la- in. That last phone message he left, we have yeah. to keep that. So idea. it's like the the improbability drive. <laughs> they they talk about because it was invented. <laughs> it was invented uh, in the book. They say it was uh, by someone who was studying Brownian motions in a teacup and stuff. Yeah. So they're like, we designed it to look like a teapot, and you know, it's got those kinds of things and yeah, blah blah. Yeah. And I'm it's like, like, you really don't. Like, in the book, he describes the heart of gold as looking like a shoe. Right. I'm like, yeah. You, yeah. At that point you are overthinking it yeah. you know you're you're, you're taking overthinking it, the wrong and i yeah, think you're taking it too seriously in the end, it's like it's just yeah. insanity just, in the end that's why my, yeah. my my overall issue with the movie is the movie forgot to be a movie yeah it's yeah. like uh, it really the because the thing the problem with the the Havakavula scene is if you look at it just from it now forget about Hitchhiker's Guide and what it has to be to do a Hitchhiker's Guide movie. The scene has no reason to exist. Nothing happens in that scene. There yeah. are no consequences there. It doesn't change the path of the story. It literally is just an interlude that has right. got like 500 extras all in costumes. It must have been phenomenally expensive, but doesn't actually tell anything to the story. At, at that point, 
he kidnaps Trillian, and then they have a 30-minute little escapade to get Trillian back, and then it goes no, right back to where the movie the no, book that's was the, going. No, that's the Vogons who do that. Hamakavula, all he does is, he, they, they say, we came for the thing. He goes, okay, here it is. You just need to give me your head. But right. Sam Rockwell's head doesn't, you know, the loss of the head doesn't affect him for the rest of the movie. So it literally right. is a scene that doesn't need to exist. It does nothing happened that was vital or changed the storyline. Right, right. So it's you know, it's like, boy, talk about the height of drama. We came for the thing. Here it is. But give me a thing that doesn't matter to you in exchange. Okay. <laughs> Why does that take twenty minutes of screen time? I, I think it was really it's like the fight. Guys, we got to live. We, yeah. we turn this book into a seventy-page script. Yeah, this can't work. Wow. What, are, so, what are we going to do? So it's just I think the I think the overall failings of the movie because in the end, you know, as much as you know, a fanboy might go, oh, the radio play was the best, or the book was the best, or or whatever you came to it. In the end, the movie, you kind of go, what? You know, it doesn't. The story itself, just the movie that they made, regardless of what right. it was based on, doesn't quite work. Um, although yeah. it has sections that are fantastic. You know, and are very feel to me very Hitchhiker's Guide in my personal vision of what that means. And on that note, before we start, I want to go around one more time, real quick. What is the thing that you think is the most successful and least successful in terms of bringing this book to life in the movie? I think the the most successful for me uh, is probably is probably just the way they. Uh, Sorry, Bart Faust is perfect. Yeah. I think Bill Nye yeah, he nails it. Bill Nye is and like the way he every, leads him Bill Nye the, should have played every role of this movie. And, well, and the way he leads him through the factory floor, I think that's. Right there, it's like, that is exactly what I pictured. It's beautiful, and it's cool, and I'm just really enjoying that bit. And then I think, the I don't know, the least successful. I don't know what that would be. Maybe, I really don't like, I love the shit out of Sam Rockwell, and I don't like his Zaphod. Really? Yeah. I think I think his Zaphod is, with the exception of their weird two-head thing, his actual personality and characterization, I think, is spot on. Yeah, he felt okay to me, too. Yeah. If you read the the way Zaphod is, yeah, he's just a, he's a party monster. Per- that's all he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, just I just want act- him. I want him to be British. I guess that's 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 possible. I don't know, but that's just yeah, well, that's everyone just should be British. What do you guys? What, what is your favorite and least favorite thing? For me, about I was this? I was actually going to say I think Zaphod Sam Rockwell's characterization I think is the most spot on. That might be part of the problem with making the movie, right? Because everyone has a different picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's always going to be the case. That's always like, the problem. That's not how I what saw Bilbo Baggins at all. What, what did they nail? They nailed the sequences where they're reading directly out of the <laughs> yeah. Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide. Yeah. That they nailed. And I think the least, to me, the least successful... I, I also think Alan Rickman, like you said, is perfect voice casting. But really, I can think of few roles that, yeah. that Alan Rickman could be cast and I'd be like, oh, no. Yeah, I, like, no, I, no. There's, like, he would have been a great Sardi Bartfast. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, you he would have been good or, at that. Uh, same with, with Bill Nye. It's like, you know, I, I Bill remember, Nye could have been the voice of Marvin. I remember Very talented, when he, deadpan British actor. I, I, yeah. I remember when he was cast for Snape. I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. And now I think back, I'm like, I would have accepted him as Dumbledore. I would have accepted yeah. him as Voldemort. I would have like, I would have accepted him as Harry Potter. Yeah, I'm like, he could have played anyone in that movie and I would would have been like yes, perfect casting. Yeah. So I just Alan Rickman guy. as Hermione. Yeah, sure. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah. all right. I'm I'll, down. I'll, I'll, I'll hold my judgment until I see <laughs> yeah, it. Sure. Exactly. I'll give it a shot. He Tri- surprised me before. You said, <laughs> yeah. the, you said you like the Vogons. Is that your I, favorite? I my, least, my least favorite is Fort. By the way, uh, you know, I, I, I really, really, yeah, really. Yeah. Really? And then this, we're gonna have a conversation about that because I really like Mustache. I, Fort. I, I, yeah. for me, yeah, the Vogons because the Vogons is is first of all is completely faithful to the book entirely. So of course it's you know fanboy heaven there. But I thought first of all, secondly, it's the realization of the Vogons is amazing. It's some of the best creature, you know. Handsome. Oh, yeah. That, that's awesome. It's fantastic the work. I've seen. Although, the, and the, the lip whole, sync isn't quite well, quite it's, apart, but, it's, but, but otherwise, it's, it's yeah. about 90% better than any lip sync yeah. that anyone's ever done. Yeah. Um, ever. And it's actually it's actually pretty darn good for the most part. And uh, and because the whole design and the art direction of the entire 
Vogon culture is so like dead on to what the Vogons, in my mind, were like. You know, mm. as they say, they're the bureaucrats of the galaxy. They're stupid and they can't even spell, but they run everything. Yeah, and so they have this like hideous bureaucracy. Because one of Douglas Adams' great fascinations was bureaucracy. Mm. His big follow up, his big follow up game to the original text based Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was a game called Bureaucracy, which was <laughs> which was all based on how he moved and changed his address, and his address change oh. didn't go through properly, and it ruined his life. <laughs> And so he made a computer game based on that, where you just get caught in this hideous wow. web of bureaucracy. Maybe we should um, get this going. But yeah, yeah. So, that, so anyway, so the Vogons are the most successful. I, I don't think Most Def is the right casting. Yeah. I, I don't think he's the right casting. I don't, I don't, I don't hate him. I'm just yeah, like, here's my that, thing. Yeah, I guess that I'm, doesn't feel right. I, he doesn't he, – I'm actually – the best way to characterize the way I feel about Most Def as Ford Prefect is that – He's su- he's surprisingly not bad at this. Right. I it's agree. not that he's a bad actor. It's not that he's it's not that he's like perfectly forward. It's yeah. just more that it's like I can't believe he's kind of fucking yeah, pulling this it's off. Not, it's, it's not d- that he's bad. It's he's for me. A it's, just, actor, it's, it's just it's a, he's wrong. It's a for movie it. that's so about language, and he mumbles most of his lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he doesn't. And and then there's some. And all the actors are guilty of this at some point or other. But I think it might be more of a director thing. Um, there's scenes where the actors are like, "Why on earth are you playing the scene that way?" You know their approach of how they're playing it because uh, in a movie like this that tries to have this kind of world and the whole tone, I think, of The Hitchhiker's Guide, it's all about the world's insane and everyone is completely blasé about Everyone it. accepts that it's insane. And there's yeah. many times the actors are being wacky. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's not good. Anyway, yeah. we should start the movie. So you have yeah. your mouse all remote ready and at the point where the touchstone logo has faded to black as I am here, here we go. Three, two, one, unpause. It's a, a similar, uh, a, a proper tone maybe would be something similar, and I've, I've brought this up before, and it probably sounds like it's the only thing in the world I think is funny, but uh, okay. is uh, uh, 30 Rock. Yeah. That that's very that's yeah. very fast paced and it's an insane world that everyone I mean Liz kind of goes is this really happening but everyone else just accepts yeah. that it's insane yeah. she's the but, Martin, she's the she's the Arthur yeah, yeah Arthur, Arthur Dent, Dent. Arthur Dent and, experiencing it all and there's only one insane truly insane character which is Tracy I guess he would be the Zaphod of the yeah. of the story oh, yeah. but but everyone else is crazy in their own way but that's just the world and they just but plow every, through other characters do get their moments of straight manish uh, straight manish uh, yeah. um, Scott Adsy gets his moments mm-hmm. there's that one moment where uh they're having the the fight club to get the page jacket and right. he comes down and goes what are you doing this is a multi-billion dollar company get back to work yeah uh and alec Baldwin obviously has his own moments i wanted yeah. to go back to to what uh trey mentioned about the difficulty of adapting some of this language where a lot of it is uh just undescribable it's actually there's a passage where i read it yesterday i was like that's exactly what the case is and it's it's reminded me of what mike says with uh trying to adapt lovecraft the problem yeah. with adapting Lovecraft is like it was a beast of indescribable horror. Yeah. Well, like okay, but then when some guy has to describe it yeah. Yeah. and build it and build it, there's a it gleams like it's impossible to say what it gleamed like because nothing in the universe gleams in quite the same way that a planet made of solid gold does. That's a great yeah. line, but you okay. can't you can't photograph. Okay, that. FX guy, yeah. get to work. Make now that. make a planet of solid gold. That's yeah. indescribable. Yeah, I mean um, one of my favorite bits in in uh, in the books is talking about. Um, how to fly? You know, throwing yourself at the oh, ground and I'm missing. Yeah, yeah. and it, but but my favorite bit is is it saying you you have to just be willing to go for it, and you have to be okay with the fact that you're probably going to miss. And if you're doing it right, you're going to miss pretty hard. Yeah, and, <laughs> and there's also the, the whole brownie in motion, uh, hard gold <laughs> idea, where it's like you know the whole concept of it. I don't know if this is in the books, but it was in the original Infogom video game, where you had to to understand to, to to get to the next level of the game, you had to have tea, but you also had to have not tea. 
<laughs> it's like you had to you had to have yeah. I have tea, but I also don't have tea. And so I have I can hold in my mind the concept of having tea and not tea at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to understand the improbability drive. So it's like well, you I, I can't how do you make that scene? You know, yeah. it's like okay, I, I you know, it's it's a verbal thing. It's a thing you can explain, but it's very hard yeah. to visualize. I love this song. This song so much. is great. The and, song is probably I, the best. I, I was looking through it because it seems so amazing and perfect that it must have come from some previous incarnation and no it was for the movie yeah. it blows my mind because it seems so 60s-ish britishness it's just well, so it, it feels like it's, it's so it big bandy always and been fun and it's so yeah. cool yeah and it, it, just, it, it works totally. it's absolutely one of those things you know it watching sitting down watching the movie you go Oh, maybe they get this. Yeah, this this might this, <laughs> I like where they're going. Yeah. And and the fact that it's like it's not from the books other than that's you know, the concept is obviously the concept's from the books, but there's no dolphin musical number in the books. Yeah. And the fact you're kinda of going, Okay, that's you know, they they actually have done a thing that isn't in any other incarnation. But it makes and sense. And it feels right. Yeah. And also it's spectacular. I mean these 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 studio shots where they I'm wondering how they shot this. It's like do they actually they must have gone to the tank, but they set up a whole background with a moon. Yeah, like a psych around it. Yeah, and incredible, you know, incredible production value. And the director uh, in the commentary, the actual, the real commentary, um, admits that he had nothing to do with shooting any of the dolphin scenes. It was all second unit. I well, probably would have let that happen too. I'd have been like, I don't. Yeah. You just you do it. <laughs> mm, a little fast, but yeah, otherwise good. Well, yeah. they're trying but to break the, of, the, yeah, the gravitational the pull of the planet. None, no, yeah, yeah, none yeah. of motion. <laughs> they're trying to otherwise. achieve escape velocity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, right. it has to be a little fast. So this whole first bit is 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 pretty much straight up the book and the BBC special and so on and so forth. It's just you know. Everything that happens where you can never get the hang of Thursdays and his place is going to get mowed down and they have the Vogons. Yeah. All of this is like this straight is, up the book. It's like never not been in the stories. I exactly. Think. Yeah. It's, it's always, it always starts like this. How do you guys feel about Homeboy? Uh, well, I liked him a lot less yesterday than I remember liking him. Well, and now now existing in 2011, this guy needs to be um, – uh, wow, I'm blanking. Uh, <laughs> All right then. Shaun of the Dead. Oh, uh, oh, Simon, Simon Pegg. Pegg. Well, Simon well Pegg. He, of course, Martin Freeman is in Shaun of the Dead. Yes, but um, well, he's. But he, it was just it was that shot of him yawning. I was that instantly yeah. called that shot yeah. from Shaun of the Dead. I was like, oh, yeah. this is you're going to do the same well, thing, but not as. Well, the thing is, Martin Freeman is like Martin Freeman is, of course, he is the closest probably to saying, well, you know, obviously they went with the obvious casting because Martin Freeman is the star of the Real Office. Yeah, um, and he's great in it. He's the Jim. He's the Jim uh, of, of the Office, the, office yeah. the, of the original Office. He's, and, the character is not Jim, but that's yeah, what, the, yeah, what the slot. That, Parallels, yeah. yeah, and and Lucy Davis, who was also in Shaun of the Dead, is is the uh, girl, is the love interest, whatever her character. I know her from name Studio was. Sixty. Yeah, exactly. So so seeing Martin Freeman is like, okay, well, of course, you know, the guy from The Office, that's that's great, and he is he is the right kind of guy. Um, so yeah, Martin Freeman, I think, is is fine casting, and, and he's the new Bilbo. That's right. That's true, and that oh. ma- and that, I buy that too. That makes sense. Bilbo Baggins, I call him. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to now, there's there's one one part of this that I kind of miss. Leslie. I'm what? sure he has an elvish name that we yeah. could have busted out just now. <laughs> One part of this that I kind of miss is, at least in the books, um, and here comes Ford, um, is that Ford, because he has some you know strange power over men's minds or whatever, he actually convinces the bulldozer guy to, to lie, lie down, down. In the bull- of the bulldozer to take Arthur's place so they can go get a, a pint at the pub, uh, which is which is fun. That might be hard to you might you might have a bigger problem buying that watching it happen than reading it happen yeah it's it's again it works fine on the page but it might have been hard to visualize but i think i just 
I'm just never well, that one, quite that sure one. what most Def is going for. I yeah. mean, it's like you think he's perfectly fine as an actor, and you know he looks great in the outfit, but uh, it's always kind of like, where is he coming from? Exactly? He's, I think I, his, I, I think his I like his approach. I like what he's trying to do. With I just it. wish he enunciated he's, because yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a show. It's a well, that's it's just a sort of how he talks. Though. That's how he is in uh, Be Kind Rewind. Well, I too. know. So that's again, it's like it's not like most Odd Def casting. sucks as an yeah. actor as an actor, but you know, I think he's more suited for 18 blocks yeah. than than for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He's doing the the or 16 blocks or whatever that movie. He's doing the weird, like, I am an alien, and it's kind of weird to act like a human. And it's like, in, for me, reading the books, it's like Ford was like the most normal person in the world. Absolutely. Ford was, Ford was like the most mundane-seeming yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, but but in this movie, like, a, as far as we see him, he's always acting kind of weird and, and, and you jittery know, and jittery and like he doesn't know how to use his neck. He moves <laughs> his whole shoulders and stuff, and it's like... Yeah, but that's an interpretation, because in the book, when I read it, I didn't really know how to... I didn't really know what to feel about Ford um, in terms of... Was he a good guy or a bad guy? Really, it was just sort oh, of like neither. he was—he was, he was just sort of a guy. Yeah, uh, sort of. And in the book, they refer to him repeatedly as being uh, very oddly not the way everyone else was where they were living. Like oh, they keep referring to the fact that he stood out as, and no one really wanted to ask him about it. Yeah, mm. I think so. This is is as I guess as viable a weird interpretation as anyway. Like I said with Sam Rockwell, I would have preferred a Ford that was British, but I was surprised watching most Def going. I can't believe I'm watching a rapper pull off Ford Prefect in the Hitchhiker's Guide movie. Yeah. I, I just I wish he I wish he'd spoken up a little better. There are scenes where you go, "What did he just I don't say?" Disagree. I don't even know what yeah. he's saying. Yeah, I'm I'm with right. If he had just enunciated and had been clear, I like. By the I way, like, the I joke, like the energy. One in joke here: this this car is a Ford Prefect, which yeah. is where the name comes from. Right. In the chat room, Owen points out that Ford should have been more Doctor Whoish, and I don't disagree. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Where was David Tennant? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wasn't he available? That would have been too obvious. Probably. Wasn't he? <laughs> was he the Doctor at this point? No, not two thousand five. Decide younger, sir. You know any of the fifteen people who played Doctor yeah. Who. Anyway, I still think of it as Tom Baker is really kind of who I think of. as Tom Baker who. Is, is Chloe's favorite Who uh, and she, a Doctor, and she's got him as her desktop wallpaper. It's kind of the most iconic one that people still remember. Yeah, this this just this uh, yeah the, this doesn't have trying the... to level up the 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 love story. Mm-hmm. Well, not we're not really getting into that yet. We have okay. that happens later. But right now, this is one of the first departures from the book, aside from the Dolphin song, which was just a title it's sequence. Not so far, but well, this by happens... the way, by the way, he's reading the Selfish Gene, and she's dressed as Darwin. That's one of their nice. many, one right, of their right. many in jokes. They uh they they refer to. Uh, they refer to D- uh, Richard this Dawkins party being happened. a good friend of Douglas Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, uh, they, they refer to this party happening, but it didn't happen at this point. Uh, and this is the first time where they're like, "All right, we have to rearrange the movie a little bit to make it work. We'll do this." And I'm watching it. and I'm like, "All right, I see what you're doing. This is fine. I'm with you." Uh, like I said, it's up and it's like literally pretty spot on until yeah. well, it's a movie thing. A certain to, point. I was not, really enjoying this. She's not going to be in the movie yet, so you have to introduce her characters. So she's right. coming late, so they they put this little flashback in. And we'll talk about Zoe Deschanel's Trillion later. Mm. I, have, I I I don't disagree, but I have problems with yeah, it. Yeah, hit and hit and miss. It's like ooh yeah. ooh ooh, almost, but yes. That's and just no. that's just her always. Yeah. Like there's there's she has I, one she has one mode. Yeah, she has it, weird spacey indie chick. And anytime she's yeah. in a movie, there are scenes where I'm like, I I love her. She's great. And then there's times where it's like, oh, that didn't work for that beat. I here's I'm gonna float a weird ass theory here on down in front for the first time. Zoe Deschanel is the cute female Jack Black. Go. <laughs> She has one mode, and you either like it or you're like, "Oh God, get off the fucking screen." I, uh, although, and she has one movie where uh, you're always like, "You know, I really liked her uh, in this." Although I will say, I I think she's got she's got more personality here than she did in like The Happening. But oh my God, oh. yeah. Have you seen her in interviews? She's like dead in that. She's just like 
really, really legitimately for the spacey. happening or for a general? No, in general? It, it, it interviews just when she's on Letterman yeah. or something. When she was doing interviews for The Happening, she probably was on yeah. 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 medication. Fair enough. I was going to say. She, she was, was dead inside. inside. But no, she always plays these sort of spacey chicks, and you're thinking, wow, she's playing spacey really well. No, she's playing normal pretty well. Yeah, she's she's, she's getting she's farther than normal. Is, is it like a Jeff Goldblum thing where you think she's playing up her natural tendencies, but in yeah, fact she's but, actually... But, yeah. but Jeff Goldblum is more interesting and weird. She is less interesting and... Just sort of not there. Well, I, you know, <laughs> and she seems really lovely. She seems like a nice person. She's very pretty, and she can sing beautifully. Actors, but watching act, her interviews, you know. it's just sort of like, I don't know. Well, what act, do you what do you mean? Actors don't owe me being fascinating in real life. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't need them to be that. Um, another one who I was really disappointed by in real life. Um, not I've met her in real life, but in interviews is uh, I love Selma Blair on screen, but in interviews it's kind of like, wow, really? There's what? There's nothing going <laughs> nothing on. Nothing there. Yeah. So like, I saw yeah, I'd much rather watch her in Hellboy than, you know, have dinner with her, at least from what I know of her right now. But um, I think Zoe Dejanel overall is pretty good. I think, again, there are sections where what she's being asked to do is like, okay, do this one wacky. Play this one kind of goofy, kind of wacky. And and that's where it's like, eh. She's definitely know. hit or miss. Now, on the other hand, on and the other I, hand, I love Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. I love me, does, Zoe Deschanel. And I will, I will join, I will join yeah. in with uh, Brian that I think uh, Sam Rockwell's Zaphod is, uh, is about as uh, much of a Zaphod sure, sure, sure. as I could ever have imagined. Uh, Sam Rockwell says uh, in the making of that he, he wanted, he, he had the idea that Zaphod was basically a combination of Elvis and Bill Clinton and uh, Patrick Swayze from, uh, from Point Break. And I'm like, well, if that's what you're going for, dude. You nailed it. Right. You, you actually achieved it. So, I should recharacterize well my feelings about Sam Rockwell as Zephod. Um I love the character that Sam Rockwell is playing, and I think he's playing the shit out of it. It's just not exactly quite what I was expecting for Zephod. And, and, and it's mostly, I, I, it's mostly I, I, the I vernacular. I think that's exactly what Zephod is. Well, like I said, that, that's part of the problem with making this into a movie is that people have their own interpretations of what it's supposed to be. Like, in Harry Potter, there's not a lot of ways you can think of Hermione. And then you see her and you're just like, oh, they, they got her fucking wrong. Like the only thing you can say about Hermione in the movies is that's way more eyebrows than I was guessing. She, but she's this also is, she's also cuter right up front than that's Hermione true, yeah. is described. She's better looking than Hermione. She was really bookish in the book, and, and she big, was really movieish in the movie until she fixed those later. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but the, uh, they also refer to, and this is nitpicking. This is not something that's, that matters. But in the book, they do refer to his heads being side by side. They say, has, yeah. "Well, that's the thing. It's oh, like that's you know, that's, yeah. like yeah. I like I said, right. you, you know, that's that's the, if I was making this movie, like said, the first the first thing I'd say is like, well, we, we got to get that. rid of that second head. Yeah. We're not doing that. How do we get him out of the fucking phone booth? Yeah. Thank you, Michael Bay. Next. <laughs> <laughs> and, anyway. the th- and the thing that uh, I was somewhat surprised to to realize rereading it yesterday was that the the second head really plays no function whatsoever in any yeah, significant no, it's, capacity. It's, yeah, it's, when it's I mentioned, just, but never actually participates just, in when, any when I, when I read it, when I read the book, I very quickly forgot he had two yeah, heads. I was yeah. going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how to deal with Zaphod having two heads because they don't really explicitly address it. They're just sort of defining this weird character as like, three arms, two heads, weirdo. And, and, and they don't really... At some point, they'll say, like, uh, Zaphod's right head turned and the left hand looks stern, like that kind of thing. But that's all they'll really do with or it. Or his right head had this opinion and the left head had this other yeah. opinion. Yeah. yeah. So, it, again, even, address- even Douglas Adams kind of forgot that, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or he didn't have anything to do with it other than, you know. So, I'm fine thing. with him having one visible head for the majority of the film. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I would have been I would have been fine if he just had one head. Because when they try to make the second head a bigger deal and actually integrate it into the plot, yeah. it's... It doesn't bring anything yeah, either, bring anything, other than yeah. a gimmick. Like I said, when he loses a second head, he hasn't lost lost anything yeah it doesn't change him fundamentally it's just they stopped doing that visual effect after that right and so. the uh, stage play it was uh just an obvious like a dummy <laughs> head like a vent dummy head yeah just sitting next to his head and it's just sort of like a yep which i'm not going to use this and i've never seen the television series how do they manage on the television series um i don't recall i don't remember it's weird that you don't remember 
Yeah, that, I always figured it was it was probably a very Doctor Who ish kind of you know. Yeah. Look, it's video on. on look, we are know, the BBC. It's the BBC. It's a BBC video. Come on, you know, we don't, well, have, the, we don't uh, have visual effects. I almost feel the, like the, that's... the Marvin from the BBC miniseries actually makes a cameo. Yeah, there's a cameo. So you'll see. He looks much more yeah, like you think this, you, he this would. Bit I love funny. the shit the, out of this gag. I remember this trailer. Don 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 Don. And they're really tiny jump backs too. A couple times, so it's like it's gonna keep going and going and going and going. There are a couple of moments that like that. This and the uh, the one later on with the airlock, where it's like that. There's no way you could put that in a book and have that joke come across. But that right. is exactly the joke that right. the Hitchhikers. The, they hit the needs. tone right. Yeah. yeah, they 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 figured out a way to completely adapt the tone while changing the details on that particular thing. They, yeah. That wasn't even really in the book. They just said, and they blew up the fucking earth. Well, they don't, they don't even really say it. They kind of address it after it no, happens. Actually, yeah. Well, the, the Vogon constructor ships, you know, there's a fleet. It's not described like they're um, – well, it's, they do say that they try to, again, be in the spirit of the book and visualize something that was never visualized. But it says that a Vogon ship hangs in the air the same way a brick doesn't. Yeah. And yeah. so they said, well, let's make them look like bricks. You know, we'll at least sort of take our cue from that. Uh, here, Stephen here, Fry for the win. Here's how here they describe the destruction of the, uh, the Earth. There was a terrible ghastly silence. There was a terrible ghastly noise. There was a terrible, ghastly silence. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. well, well, that's yeah. a great description. Kind of yeah. wide open there is how we're going to visualize that one. Yeah. George Lucas says, a but million voices cried out in that. terror and we're suddenly silenced. Yeah. Uh, actually, we have already heard Stephen Fry. He, he was he in the very beginning. At the beginning, yeah. But we're we'll right to hear oh. even more. If you, can, if you great... can pick up this book on audiobook and he reads it like he reads everything, it's a joy to listen to him yeah. read. Some great, uh, some great MoGraph work coming up by a company called Shinola. How do you guys feel about the pictorial depiction of the guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really I think it's uh, it's quite fun and it's it's quite uh, quite elaborate you know you look oh, yeah. at it it's like wow this is its own little movie these little things yeah. you know and they're very nice I think the design is great and it's a great you know like I said I think this is the part where I'm like oh this nails yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're still you're still like going you know so far you know they're kind of yeah. you know I'm, I'm with it I'm with it this uh, this feels like Hitchhiker's Guide to me who is this god person anyway yeah it's now, a little it's a little more elaborate than i would have expected i don't really i, I always pictured the hitchhiker's guy was basically words on a page i is but again it's, this is a this is a movie so i'll accept it though it's a movie so it needs to be a little sexier and they've you know they certainly achieved that it's it's fun to watch apparently in the original yeah yeah seth in the, in the not chat room in the room room uh, in the in the BBC He's a real show. person in the room with us. It's weird. Yeah, I know. It was you know a little bit more chintzy in eighties, but I always like the charm of that. I BBC shows are almost adorable sometimes. Where it's like, oh, you made this for like fifty quid, huh? Well, I <laughs> they, appreciate it. You had totally a, you had you had two china balls and someone's apartment to film yeah. a show in, and you did a good job. I mean, the, it's, at twenty nine point nine seven. It's weird to me to see you know the the new fangled you know BBC America Doctor Who. Yeah. It's like wow, they actually have real stuff going on now you know because to me doctor doctor who was briefly syndicated where i lived as a kid when i was like nine and uh, or like 11 and that was the that was far before tom baker that was the the older john pertwee i think was the doctor at that point and boy that was like a soap opera that mm-hmm. was like a soap opera with visual effects is what it looked like because that's what it was and it's like you know some even at the age of 11 i'm like wow that's not very good <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's not, part of the joke it looks almost, like cheese yeah. you know but uh, but again it's like they're doing five episodes a week and they're grinding them out and it's you know hey and you try al- it so also I so think- there's an interesting i just say is there's an interesting sort of British kind of acceptance of some of those mm-hmm. things a little more. It's like, well, that's just how it is. You know, was, you look at Red Dwarf, you look at uh, yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide, they're all kind of chintzy looking. I was going to say, this probably could have benefited by feeling more like a BBC TV show, but feeling almost more chintzy. This does and feel more... very 
big. It feels yeah, big. It's, and part, I, what was it, it, honestly, I was I was going to say the budget on this was probably pretty severe. Look at that. It was. Uh, yeah. It was. It's it's smaller than it it uh, probably ought to have been. Yeah. It was. It was yeah. relatively. They they this, but there's did a lot of huge sequences in yeah. this thing. But uh, even I, given that it could have been you know amped up with visual effects, but like the Hamakavula is like this. There's, there's 500 people in yeah. there in that scene. No, this whole like, ship. I mean, this they they run around this Vogon ship for a long yeah. time, and the Vogons are the Vogons are a massive yeah. amount of work. I mean, they're, they're and there's and, a but, lot of and them. rightly so, and they pay off. You know, obviously there's only a couple of hero ones, and the rest are just background ones. But you know, those are those those are not easy costumes to be building. It feels weirdly. I think I, I think I was saying earlier, like pacing and stuff. It feels weirdly not. Like British humor. I mean, I grew up with, I grew up with British humor. And I love it. Monty Python and Faulty Towers and stuff like that, and you know er- anything with John Cleese in it, basically. And um, <laughs> yeah. it, this doesn't feel like that kind of stuff. This doesn't feel like that kind of humor. You know, so, something is missing there, and it's like, wh- how is that? Kind of was, it was a British author, it's a British kind of director. Is yeah, that what you mean? Yeah. In the uh, chat, they're talking about a couple things that I want to bring up. One, Jeremiah points out about about fifty million. Was the budget here? Yeah. And uh, Anadreth is talking. Uh, they're having a conversation about uh, Stephen Fry and audiobooks. <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to port something that he said into something that I can ask Dorkman. Dorkman, uh, talk to me about Jim Dale's pronunciation of Harry when he's singing when he's doing Hermione. <laughs> I, 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 there's so there's so many things. Dorkman hates the shit there's out of Jim Dale. So many things <laughs> I don't like about the Jim Dale audiobooks. I don't like the way he reads certain. It's a, it's another pacing thing. Like there are bits in the in the book that are very funny. If if read, you know, with kind of a, a certain, uh, you know, a, a certain accent and cadence, yeah, that, that you're used to if you've watched a lot of John Cleese and blah, 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 and Stephen Fry gets it right, but then Jim Dale doesn't, and I'm like, that's funny, but you made it not funny, and that upsets me. <laughs> and then, yeah, every time Hermione talks and she talks to Harry, she always goes, Harry! <laughs> and I'm like, I hate you. I hate Hermione so much when he reads those books. And Hermione's like my favorite character in the books, so it's like, how dare you make me hate her? Um, so, in yeah. summary, we, 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 uh, we endorse Stephen Fry. Yeah, I, I, got, I got through, I got about halfway, I was trying to li- re-listen to the books, I got about halfway Way through the third book, and I was like, I want to kill everyone in this story right now. So I'm understanding pictured... where Voldemort's coming from, and that's not good. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to go find the Stephen Fry ones. I always pictured the so wait, they've been read is... by both guys. Yeah, yeah. 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 Stephen, well, Stephen, officially the British versions of the Stephen Fry ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's got the UK version, so he says philosophers. They're much stuff. better. Oh, okay. Right. I got you. I always pictured the Babelfish as looking like a yellow goldfish. That's I didn't think it Pretty much. I didn't think it was going to look like a little kind of weird suckerfish. Yeah. Looks like a little minoc without wings. Yeah. One of the nice things, one of the nice, they made, again, they mentioned the real commentary is... Hey, is, Kirstie Alley's in this movie. Aw, right. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, By the way, I was just... just She's lost weight. Yeah. Oh. As, as of yesterday, I've been rewatching old episodes of Cheers. And good God, is she gorgeous. She's a oh, hot, yeah. she's a hot chick in 1986. Yeah, that's why was. it's like, you know, to me, it's like, she's oh, hot what? in Star Trek, dude. Yeah, yeah she yeah. is. Oh, yeah. To me, I, you know, I'm old enough. It's like, oh, what happened to Kirstie Alley? It's like, well, what, same thing happens to everybody. Same thing happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning. <laughs> but um, the, now here's a uh, here's the thing that they tried to bring out. The director talks about this, which is kind of like, okay, well, this they you, do make you, reference this you didn't visualize very well. <laughs> the idea is that the Vogons they live, sit on them. They live on a planet where they sit on these crabs and these deer. 
because they don't know what else to do with them, but they're not <laughs> good for sitting on. But so they just crush them randomly. And it's like, <laughs> okay, I don't think you quite got that across. If that was what you were trying to, it was more like a. But I think it's okay. I think well, it's well. It, again, it's one of those things where it's like, remember in the book that that, that was funny. That was sort of a thing that we kind there of there they are. Now this, uh, for example, this here I think is fantastic because okay. it is so Vogon. It's like this entire completely incomprehensible rig is just to deliver the guy the microphone. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's to me that's yep, that's the, how the Vogons would do stuff. That's and you know, it took them like two hundred years to get through the paperwork of having so much metal devoted to this. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic so and so guild approved of so and so this and yeah yeah yeah. Now, but, but, uh, but and I, then right in the middle of this scene, which is like okay my. My God, they're nailing it. Suddenly, this is one of the places where most deaf is like, what are you doing right now, most mm-hmm. deaf? Because he's like, suddenly he goes into this like gibbering idiot mode. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like, what, what, he's what trying is to do this, like Brain melting. Yeah, but thing. it's like, but it's it like Ford would just across. be much, I think, I, I think, you know, my intention with Ford is that he would just be much more like, yep, we're going to die. Now we're going to yeah. die. We're going to be tortured to death slowly. It's going to be horrifying. Yeah. And, and, and there's this whole other you know, thing that he's doing. And I, you know, I don't think most Dev showed up and demanded from Garth Jennings that this is how he wanted to play it. Who yeah, knows? He was told but, to but do it's this, like, I'm this sure. is to where I'm like, wait, what is happening right now? Wait, this... that's the wrong kind of funny that you're yeah, going for you're there. You're going, no, you're, the movie's funny. You're not funny. Yeah. You're the straight man to the movie. Yeah, exactly. The movie's crazy around you. Yeah, you the don't movie, do, you the don't movie do is the funny and you're the straight man for that's it. That's why I think a, a big part of the a problem in the acting in this movie is the reactions because comedy is all about it's not about you acting it's about how you react is it react. the performances or the editing of the reactions uh, both I think um, but comedy it really at its heart is about how you react to a situation and just look at that reaction that's not a funny reaction that's <laughs> yeah. why someone getting hit in the balls isn't really funny it's, it's how they react to being hit by, uh, right. in the balls yeah and if they subvert what you think they're going to do you laugh harder yeah comedy 101 yeah, Welcome right. to Down in Front. We'll explain this. Now, yeah. acknowledging that we've we've acknowledged the problem, which is it is really hard to do anything with Hitchhiker's Guide because not only is there a huge preconceived notion in everyone that's ever read or heard any iteration of it throughout history, you have a major problem putting it on film because as it happened every time with those, and we've never forgotten about the fewer that happen each time, it's impossible to really get everyone exactly pinned down on what they think this character is like, so on and so forth. So my question is, with that in mind, is it even possible to make... The Watchmen Hitchhiker's Guide, where it's it's I, basically well, assumed to be all right. We're, we're all kind of like this is the best it could have possibly been. Could we have had a the best possible Hitchhiker's Guide movie? Could they even make a movie that way? I, I think I, you could have gotten one that's better than this. I yeah, think you could have. I my agree. my thinking again is like the failures of this movie are not because they were or weren't faithful to some aspect of Hitchhiker's Guide. The failures are the movie's failures as a movie. Yeah, and it's like again, it's like failures. I don't care what this is based on. I don't buy what Mos Def is doing in this scene. It's yeah. like it's not because it was different in the radio play. It's because what the fuck is that actor <laughs> doing in this movie right now? I don't get that performance. They need they needed. I don't know how much the director w- was or wasn't a fan of hitchhikers but they needed uh peter jackson they needed somebody who is in- incredibly devoted to the source material but also a really strong filmmaker themselves Yeah, also willing to divert from the source material yeah. in an appropriate way to go right. this works better as a movie but still gets to the but, same point but to know both the source material and their craft well enough to know when that's necessary yes. and how to do it in the best possible way yeah. there's no doubt that garth jennings is very strong visually because yeah. it's an amazing looking movie oh yeah, yeah. even even the scenes that don't work are nice to look at um like this one i mean this is a great you know and they play it mostly i this love wide the visual joke it's, at a, the end it's of a beautiful movie. thing but um the end of the scene, rather. And one of the other touches that is nice, and I think they were, I, I go the other direction, I think this is a case where they were too faithful to the material when they should have said in the William Goldman thing, screw the, screw the original material, you gotta make a movie out of this. So let's make a movie. But the, um, 
one of the things that's nice, and they don't make a huge deal out of it, is, uh, and I, I do appreciate it, is that when they talk about how you, you know, it's important to have your towel with you. Um, Ford is amazingly resourceful with his towel. He does about <laughs> fifty-seven thousand different things with the towel throughout the movie. He uses it in all these different ways. So he actually is. You know, at least embodying the concept of the towel as your most useful ally when you're hitchhiking through the galaxy. Let's set a watermark real quick. What's a great example that we can use to compare of a movie that was doing something like this and just resolutely failed? Airbender, maybe? That might be too extreme. That might be like the joke, too extreme answer. But, yeah. But something that just, like, maybe this. I don't know. At a certain of, of, Super Mario Brothers movie or something? Just something that just, like, oh, that didn't work. Well, Super Mario Brothers, like. I don't even know what. what hang on, what are you, what are you, <laughs> what are you asking? Well, in, terms so, well, of, in terms of, I'm not saying things we can't. What I'm take getting back. at is, yeah. how does this compare to other movies that just didn't quite work? Is this a pretty good movie that just didn't quite work, or is this a wow? They really fucked this up. Like, I, are, are there I, examples of movies one. where it's like, wow, they were really yeah. going to do this I, and they really just destroyed it's a, it? It's a movie it doesn't that doesn't quite work, quite work but almost does. Because uh, there's a lot of great moments. We just passed another couple of them, and so it's pretty good as far as not good versions of movies go. It's pretty good. It's like yeah. it's well, almost it's at the finish line, but it didn't quite get across it. Yeah, it's kind of and it cool and runnings to cross the finish line. I think that's no, what cool runnings is a great movie. Yeah, I honestly think that's <laughs> what that's. I agree too, but I grew up with it, so it might be terrible. <laughs> I, I, quite possibly could be the same thing. <laughs> but for me. Um, if we, uh, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where I think that's part of what really infuriates the fans. That are that are like yeah. super passionate about it. What infuriates them? The fact that it got so close. Yeah, like ah. they could accept it more if they had just completely blown it. Right. But the fact that they got close, it was like you were right there. You yeah. you were so looking close. at it yeah. from yeah. where you were. You know, <laughs> you could see it from. Yeah. You saw the light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. and you just stopped. Yeah. So, oh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a good example. Thanks, Frank. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, this you know, okay, fucking Zoe. Hi. <laughs> yeah, League of Extraordinary General, if, if gentlemen, if you if you sort of break it down to its component parts, you go, well, that's cool, and that's cool, and that's yeah. cool. Wild Wild West would be another one like that, where it's yeah. like, oh, well, that I can see a, a version of this that works. Yeah. Oh, this Van, really doesn't. Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's so cool in concept. Okay, it's a but... brown island. I give up on this movie. What? What? It's it, the island is supposed to be brown. Wow. That's oh. why it's called Easter Island because Easter means small, flat, and brown. Or something like that. What? Brown. This movie sucks. <laughs> I don't know. No yeah, stars. What on earth are you talking about? He's, he's Did doing you start a watching a different movie? No, in the book. He's doing a thing where it's supposed to be one thing in the book and it's not here and yeah. it's a right off. They describe well, it as a small d- flat brown island. That's we, a hilly green island. We just passed the bit where they were they were couches for some reason and that's a terrible, terrible sacrilege to, to fanboys of the book. And it's like, I, well, well, no. Well, it, also because... They also do the yarn gag later. Yeah. The yarn gag that yeah, I Which like. isn't there. And, the, and I think, yeah, I'm like, okay, they went there and I think that that, again, is, okay, see, that's not from any incarnation of actual Hitchhiker's Guide, but it seems like it would yeah. be. It fits. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I agree. That, that, you know, and, and so I'm like, that's the kind of thing they should do. And I the think couch the, thing, thing. the couch thing I'm on the fence about because it's not actually funny itself, but the yarn thing is the same concept that is actually a funny yeah. joke. But the sofa thing is... is uh, it's just like, oh, we're sofas. Well, uh, no, I'm, the sofa thing is Adam's had a thing about sofas. I mean, there, there is the, there's the sofa in the sequel book, which I think is... Um, Restaurant at the end of the universe, where that's how they get off of ancient Earth, which is where the the book ends, or the second book ends, and the third book starts, where they, you know, a sofa comes out of the space time continuum, and they have to jump on the sofa. So you know, it's like there's a he's got a thing about sofas. Dirk Gently's uh, detective agency has a major subplot about a sofa. So so there's a uh, you know there's a sofa thing. He had a sofa thing. I, uh, Douglas Adams. You know, I I think maybe one of the uh, the the 
something that's lost in translation as well from the book to the movie is like we're talking about there you were talking about the sofa and bureaucracy and stuff like that Douglas Adams had like axes to grind here and there like he did it in a a funny way you know he wasn't like mean about it or whatever but he's like he's like you know fucking bureaucrats I'm gonna write some shitty bureaucrat race and make it silly and blah 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 and really entertaining whereas I like kids in the hall in that way they hate businessmen whereas whereas I don't I don't get the sense that the filmmakers Got are like are like fuck those guys fuck yeah bureaucracy. <laughs> fuck yeah. those guys let's fucking let's, sofas right yeah, am I right let's guys satirize them you know they were just like the that only, happened in the book so it happens in the movie yeah the know? only moment of, of satire where I feel like they kind of get it and it might have been an accident <laughs> is an addition where uh, it's in it's in the the middle the middle new part of the movie where he uh, he sees the planet they're on the the Vogue Sphere planet I guess I think is where it happens. And he's like, I'm British. I know how to cue. Yeah. That's the one where it's like, I think they got it. I think they know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a very... It's a good line. That's a very Adamsy kind of thing. I, I also, um, I, it's a cultural thing that it's, you know, as Americans, we really can't relate to. The fact that, you know, Britain is still so accustomed to standing in line. They actually have a verb for it that we don't even have. <laughs> you know, we don't use that as a verb. It would have been, it would have been uh, even more Adamsy. And maybe translating it to, to this... If, like, they had done the standing in line thing but tr- shot and edited it like it was an action movie. You know, that's that's <laughs> Arthur's yeah. heroic moment. Yeah, heroic moment. Uh, you know, stand in line. But. All right, what's your problem with uh, with Marvin, Trey? I, he doesn't uh, – I think it's it's perfectly appropriate for him to – I, too, was like, oh, boy, you know, Alan Rickman voice, perfect. Who better? Can't imagine anyone better. Um, it's just that the design of it, I just always feel bad for Warwick Davis. I mean, my God, how much does that head weigh? You know, and it, the, the the costume weighs as much as he does. Yeah. And, uh, and I wonder if there must have been a wire holding it up at the there. There, there no. really isn't. No, that's what's really a, tragic a, about there's it. A rig, that's really on his head. No, yeah. there's a rig. There's a rig inside that distributes the weight to his body. Yeah, and also harness. It also prevents the head from falling back and snapping his neck. Yeah, uh, take his head um, clean off. The but elephant man died that way, Warwick. <laughs> but it's just the yeah, it's just the fact that you know he just kind of has to plod along everywhere, and it's like for Marvin to do anything and just like takes forever and they, they also I think they took the brain the size of a planet a little too literally, literally yeah and <laughs> okay but is it know. so would you say it's mostly just sympathy for work Davis or is it just not what you pictured Marvin? I just think it's like, he's not interesting to look at he's like well he's kind of like a He's like somebody was doing a parody of a stormtrooper and and R two D two at the same time yeah, and gave it and gave it yeah uh, a stormtrooper and R two D two made by Apple that's yeah. what they were going <laughs> yeah, for pretty now. much and, uh, as opposed to you know. Not that I, I think the TV version is, you know, because the TV version is very 70s, you know, 80s cheeseball as well. So there's, there isn't a good visualization of Marvin. <laughs> Um, there's a, and also one of the things I the, do love his little come on all right yeah you know, that, that's <laughs> whose underwear am I wearing that's one of the best things yeah. about but that I think the line I think it's coming up in this scene but one of the things that the, the worst the worst sin they commit against Marvin is um, this line right here where he goes freeze and Marvin says I'm a robot not a refrigerator I mean did Henny Youngman come back from the yeah. dead to write one line for this movie because that is so beneath the Douglas Adams kind yeah. of level of humor it's like when did they come up with that line that's no that was that's not that's not Marvin at all. Do you think he's too clean? The chat room supposes that he might be too clean. I, just, I didn't be, really picture him as anything like clean. that. I just don't. Think, I think he's just a ridiculous design. I don't I remember how too, I pictured him. He's too stylish I don't to either. be as yeah. depressed as he's supposed to be. I yeah. Think well, I think that's. I, the I, I pictured like, him, like I pictured him being yeah. a little bit more like the well, the. You know, more upright, a little more humanoid. Yeah, and, I know, expected humanoid. I, I never had a clear picture of what Marvin looked like. I so. do think the giant head works for when he kind of rests his head. I'm not. You know what I kind yeah. of thought? Kind he of just was, like sags down his legs. You I know what I, it, I it was probably that. thinking? I was probably thinking uh, uh, Marvin the Martian a lot, which he's yeah. pretty close to, actually. Yeah, he does have that kind of vibe. So. He should have a brush, big uh, centurion brush on top yeah. of his head. 
Um, the one thing, the one time that the the Marvin head pays off is at the very end when he gets shot and he goes, "Well, no, I have a headache." Is you know, okay? That's kind of a okay. That worked. That moment worked. But other than that, I didn't think Marvin was very successful. That said, I think Warwick is kicking ass in his performance, being directed the way he is. He is very sympathetic just to watch him walk around yeah. his slump. And he's doing good, you know, he's doing good pantomime because, you know, he does have that big head to kind of like, like you said, he kind of goes, mm. there's the one where um, they're on the Vogon planet and, and the little, the little, the thing with the huge siren, but the tiny little device goes by like it's some kind of cop car, but it's this tiny little tricycle and he goes by and he just does a, he just watches it and the, <laughs> the head, the head pays off there where this big head is just watching this thing go by. This is about what I pictured the Heart of Gold looking like in t- inside though. This is about right. This I think this I think it's uh, it works. Yeah, perfectly fine. It is supposed to be you know brand new, obviously you know. So we've done a lot of, of comparing to what we our expectations were. Let's talk about the movie itself, uh, <laughs> and, and and sort of the hero's journey aspect of it and all that stuff. I I, I asked on Facebook a couple of days ago, like, all right, can I have a pre conversation with you guys? We're going to do it down in front on Hitchhikers. I want to just have this conversation. It has like a hundred replies now. It's huge. Yeah, but I was shocking. I, I was the most interested in finding out if you hadn't read the books. Would you be engaged or confused? Well, that's actually another. Uh, well, another does this movie part. work? There's a, there's an, another difficult part that that I have to give the filmmakers credit for. I know you said we weren't supposed to compare it, but because um, there's not a very clear hero's journey aspect in Hitchhiker's Guide. I mean, it starts that way, and you think it's going to go that way, but then it just yeah. kind of starts wandering. It becomes this weird yeah. episodic fun yeah. mess. Yeah. And the and the original book, Hitchhiker's Guide, ends kind of quickly. They're sort of like really, really fucked. They're going to take Arthur's brain, and then the cops show up, but then the cops die because Marvin made the ship so depressed that it shut off. End of book. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, no, there, so the there whole is, series is like that. Right. Every it, book it, it kind is of very just, sort of yeah. let off. Well, and then Adams's whole trip was, you know, Adams is also, you know, being a, being a good atheist. Um, you know, the, the the books are all about the universe is so freaking random. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a good person or a bad person. It's like you just kind of like lay back and just kind of experience it because it's, you know, yeah. things are going to happen no matter what you do. And, and Arthur is a passive character the whole time. Arthur is just kind of like on this journey through like this. You thought the universe was weird. Where do you get a, where do you get a look at all of it? You yeah. Know, you get, and, and it's, you know, it's classic like, storytelling structure is about, you know, this character and why they're important and the journey they're going to go on. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide is a, you're and not important. Yeah. The whole point of Hitchhikers is no, you're not important. Yeah. And I mean, story is about, you know, these things and these things, they're connected and that's the pattern that, you know, means yeah. something deeper. And Hitchhiker's Guide is all about, no, it's just a fucking coincidence. This is a story that's always started with, yes, all of life on Earth was destroyed because of, uh, you know, because they needed, to ma- they needed to put a road through. You know, yeah. that's every- everything humans ever tried to accomplish is for nothing because they wanted to, one of my species wanted one of my to run a road through. One of my favorite lines is, like, Sardi Bartfast is, I forget the exact wording, but it's like, oh, his, yeah, nothing makes not, sense, so just try to occupy yourself. He says, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, you, you can't act. And that, and that, if anything, that's the stating of the theme of the movie. Yeah. Is, is you can't, uh, you know, you'll never figure it all out, so hang the sense of it and try and keep busy. That's yeah. that's the theme is explicitly stated right there in that in that line. I like the I like that bit that I just happened. A bunch of stuff uh, yesterday there, when I read it. I there was another good uh, good feeling moment where the the ships pull up and then they just kind of keep going like all these ships. But I I feel like it it almost would have been great if they cut inside and then cut back outside and they're still doing it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just just overdoing it. That that's really what they should have done with this movie. Just overdo everything. You know, they they're, they're almost underdoing. Well, Sam Things Rockwell got that note. Yes, already. exactly. Here, here's another great line. It has already uh, started about passes talking to uh, Arthur Dent and about him coming to the planet. He says, it has already been hailed, so I gather, as the third most improbable event in the history of the universe. What were the first two? 
Oh, probably just coincidences. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's what the a, fundamental yeah. idea of the book is like, here's this massive, you know, here's yeah. the story, which is this universe changing events. Yeah. But the other these other things are just coincidences. One of the great lines from I forget which book it's in, but the uh, the line of um, you know that there it's believed there's a theory that if the universe ever was truly figured out, it yeah. would immediately disappear and be replaced by something even more inexplicable. And there's a second theory that says that happened already. <laughs> so so the um, you know that's that's the that's the thing that, that that's the sensibility that all these books that from Douglas Adams, if you well, want to and, say what his sensibility was, God thinking himself out of existence. Exactly <laughs> you know, the fact that you know oh, yeah, this. I hadn't thought of that. Where's <laughs> where's God in all this? So so. When you try again, it's like as if there's the books and then there's making a movie. And again, William Goldman would have said, "Yeah, you know, screw the books. You got to have a hero, and he's got to do something." Yeah. So they actually tried to grab that into and have Arthur Dent have a bit of an arc and step up. And I, I, I'm not offended by that at all. Yeah, because in the book, Arthur really doesn't do shit. Yeah, he stands around being confused and being skeptical the yeah. entire book. Really, and, really, and having everything explained to him because yeah. he's the guy who doesn't know what's going he's on. He's not. He's not the first. He, it's not a first-person narrator, but he's still the excuse to for the narrator to jump in and be like, what Arthur didn't know right. was blah, blah, blah. And for every character, for Ford to explain every step yeah. of the journey to him and everything. So, that, you know, Arthur Dent as written is not a proactive character in any in any way. Uh, you know, he, he affects the plot, but only by bumbling. He affects the plot by doing accidental things, like uh, like panicking and hitting the and they, uh, actually, probability drive. I, isn't it in one of the books? It's it's definitely uh, where he 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 wants the the machine to make tea, and he tries to describe tea, and the computer is so absorbed in trying to make tea that's why they can't outrun the the missiles <laughs> because the computer is like, I'd love to help you, but I'm working on this tea problem. I think that's isn't that from one of the books? Speaking uh, of remember speaking from... of uh, Eddie the computer, I love Tom Lennon. He just got it. That, I you know, know I'd love to help you, fella, but yeah. I just can't right now. It's uh, it's it's interesting to kind of like it's so you know, fucking annoying. It's how Tom Lennon get that gig? You know, it's like he's he's know. great for it, but it's like wow. I blew my mind watching it yesterday because uh, in 2005 I didn't know who Tom Lennon was, but mm. like holy shit, Tom Lennon, that's Tom Lennon, yeah, that's perfect. Now here's a little here's a little thing where I go, okay, the arbitrary Star Wars joke that yeah. doesn't need to that be was here. in the trailer. First of all, yeah. it was in the first trailer. Yeah. First of all, which immediately made all the fanboys go, wait, what are they doing? Terrible lightsaber effects, first of all. They are darkening Secondly, the yeah. Secondly, um, they did, in fact, license the lightsaber sound from... There's a credit at the end where oh, they wow. say yeah. that, that the lightsaber sound was yeah. licensed from... And it's Skywalker like all... Sound. Again, it's like... Nice and subtle movie. Yeah, really. But why? Why Why a Star Wars joke in the middle of, you know, you're adapting the other thing. Yeah. This, is, this isn't... But because it toasts the bread as you cut it. That's actually a really great idea. <laughs> it's a, it is a brilliant idea. I think, that, I think that exists. I think that's a thing. I think they make hot knives. I wow. think they make sliced bread and toasters. Yeah, not on person, <laughs> not on purpose, though. Hi, Benji and Frankie. See you later. And yeah, hey, the introduction mice. of the mice. Like rewatching this now, it's like that is not subtle. It's a, a little, subtle introduction little clunky. At all. It's a little clunky, but oh look, mice! Yeah, ah. like the shot of the mice in the Hitchhiker's Guide. Anyway, now let's forget about those for a while. Yeah. That's actually a more appropriate example <laughs> than the the cook and and I know October, yeah. But anyway. yeah you know I just noticed and this is this is kind of unrelated <laughs> the mice are like the cook from Red October <laughs> Marvin okay. is remember fucking, the mice from Red October yeah <laughs> Marvin is fucking huge yeah he's not a little guy he's almost the size of Arthur yeah but two feet of that is is head, empty yeah. space inside the head that's what you know it's been said about me too oh my Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. And now, so, uh, now uh, talking about voices, Helen Mirren is Deep Thought score. Yeah, but the design yeah. of Deep Thought. Let's talk about that. I like that. Deep Thought. I think Deep Thought, I, Deep Thought is. I, I've always liked the design of Deep Thought. I always pictured it, it just, I always to pictured just look like a giant 
shitty 1991 computer. Yeah, I pictured well, I, or I pictured it's like a it, huge yeah. ass white building with no windows. I, I pictured it as yeah, as a big room full of like spinning tape reels and stuff. Yeah, I, I always pictured it as a very as a movie and like multivac thing. Yeah. Like here's a giant warehouse that's just one computer. Which is why I like I like this because I did not see this coming, and it you know it doesn't matter. It doesn't you know change my feelings about what Deep Thought looked like. It's like okay, this is kind of interesting. It's like if sort of like if like the if like the if like the natives from King Kong had computer technology, that's the computer they would build. They would build it like a god so they could worship it. You know, it's like, ah, well, yeah. yeah. Actually, I don't mind necessarily that it. it's built like a god, but the character of Deep Thought is sort of apathetic, and in the book, is actually kind of mean. He's kind of arrogant. Uh, and but if they were designing this computer, like the case of the computer before they even really put it together, they wouldn't have designed an apathetic-looking sort of huh, shaped kind of slumped head on arms thing. Oh, I don't like, think it's apathetic. It's deep in thought. It's the thinker. It's in the thinker pose. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's a good point. It's thinking. Sure. Deeply. Deep thought. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely doesn't. It's not in a meh position. But then it, it just it happens to play as also, yeah, I'm watching television. You know, it, it works both ways. I think these kids deliver the lines properly, but I think it's weird they're that they're kids. Good. British kids yeah. are automatically better actors because they talk British. Yeah. The, the, they just sound so much more clever than we do. You know? The fact that they're kids is a random change that... I don't know why they why they did it. I don't understand what mm-hmm. reasoning, if any, exists. But it doesn't hurt. It makes them look mousy, I guess. Yeah. By the way, they put okay. a lot of thought into right. this. When the computer says 42, we're going to hit the 42-minute mark. You oh, can yeah? even look at our DVD player. We're 10 seconds away. <laughs> wow. I know. They put thought into that. I don't mind. I think it's cute. Oh, 42. I hey, they're off I by five they put, seconds. I doubt they put any thought into that. Yeah. You that's, pro- that's probably just the kind of thing that they were like, ah, yeah. <laughs> how about yeah. that? I got a friend that thinks that 9-11 happened because they were trying to send us a message about nine one one, And I wow. think sometimes the two, most, the two weirdest things in history are coincidences, yeah. <laughs> um, like 42 in this movie. <laughs> that's not a question. She's, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. They waited seven and a half million. Days. Again, very Douglas Adams kind of idea. It's like, give us the answer. Okay, here's the answer. What's the question? You didn't want, you didn't ask for the question. <laughs> like, oh, we should have thought you of that. You should have asked. I wonder if this we scene. We totally should have thought of that beforehand. I, before we waited seven and a half million years. I'm sorry that we keep going back to comparisons and really aren't talking about the movie that much, but hey, that's, that's down in front for you, I guess. In the book, uh, it's all this build up. The answer to the life, yes. The universe, yes. Yeah. And everything, yes. You're not going to like it. Go on. Is, yes, 42. And then it's chapter 31 or whatever. Like, it, it, like that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. And I wonder if this scene would have played Actually, better. No, the, 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 line, the line is right after that. One of the acolytes turns to the other and go, we're going to get lynched, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that line I miss. And I wonder I if that, that scene would have, would have played better if the computer said 42 and they cut away. And you didn't get, the, you didn't get the, the, all the outrage then. You got the outrage later in the book. I just wonder, it, it seems, it's almost, it almost underscores or undermines the joke. Uh, to to give them the reaction right then. No, but that's know, ridiculous. I, I, I know it's ridiculous. No, I don't think so. I think there's the long pause, and then they go forty two. I mean, it's a it's a Python it's a Python button. You know, it's exactly right. But if they cut there, as opposed to having the rest of the conversation, then I'll make you another computer. They had to have that conversation anyway because that's spoiler. That's what Earth is. But I don't know. Weird. Yeah, I, it's, weirdness. It's not quite perfect. I think here. the scene should have been hung on the joke. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, comedy is so so very hard. It's so precise the timing and the order in which you reveal the information and how you how you pace a joke to to make sure that every like detail and moment and pacing is just right to deliver the the punchline exactly the right way it's it's very very hard and very exacting and i think this movie gets about 80 percent of the way there but there are there would have been better ways or would have been stronger ways to construct scenes and pace scenes and to pace the whole thing and put the whole thing together yeah, I mean, in the uh, they talk about in the cinefix, there there's some things that that did work and it were very clearly that like 
the infinite improbability drive bit, they almost overthought, and then oh, the yeah. director brought him back. They were like, well, in the book, it's described as, like, every atom being everywhere in the universe simultaneously, so they were going to do all this particle stuff, and blah, blah, blah. He's like, no. It's <laughs> No. It, it turns just, into an orange, and it, then it disappears. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop into weird shit, and then it disappears. It's like... It, it, it's described as like a slot machine, like little things going brum, 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 past it. And in fact, that last one, it was like lemon cherry, but like it was yeah, very right, specifically right. a slot yeah. machine thing. There is a uh, there is a a slight plot problem that has been introduced in the movie that wasn't there previously uh, by the whole Hamakavula scene, which is that Sam Rockwell Zaphod is looking for the coordinates to Magrathea, but you can't give the improbability derive direction. Right. So that doesn't make sense. Whatever. What? But it has oh. to be acknowledged. No, the, the improbability drive is, is how you... That was a good ha- transition. No, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Transition. No, the improbability drive is like when you want to go somewhere, it gets you there instantly because it's very unlikely that that could have happened. <laughs> so, but it, it, it does get you where you're going, but it works on the fact that you you know, you know just sort of arrive but, there by accident. Because what just, are the odds? No, but they just said in the movie that you can't tell it where to go. And you can't tell what species you're going to be when you get there, so it's important to dress accordingly. And then later he asks for coordinates for the ship that they're going to use the improbability drive. It's well, just... I think the guide is wrong in this case then. Well, yeah, but the movie contradicts itself internally there. Fair enough. Anyway. Well, it's... not necessarily because the, the guide is well known to not always be a reliable That's source right. of information. That's right. It's, it's not the, as good as the Wikipedia, Wikipedia of yeah. the future. But it is slightly cheaper. <laughs> it's true. Than the previous guide. That's important. So, yes. Yeah, so here's where the movie makes. Hey, look, it's making a left turn. And uh-huh. so does the movie. Kavula Hama. Now, of course, we do get the little the little God speech. Yes, that the, is the joke. <laughs> that's the joke. So, yeah, it's a 20-minute detour that uh, gets John Malkovich into the movie and adds a huge... Now, now I have no problem with these exterior scenes because then when they come back out of the needless Hamakavula sequence, we're going to have the encounter with the Vogons, and that's all yeah, great. Yeah, friggin' Moomin shots over yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, that guy's it's cool. Fantastic stuff going on. And then there's another it's little guy on the midgets left. hopping in a tube. Yeah, and then there's the, <laughs> the, the square-wheeled bicycle for whatever reason. You know, it's, a, it's a beautiful, you know, art-directed movie across the board and beautifully shot, too. I mean, it's some sexy stuff. And here's this, little, here's this little dude who should be outside of Jabba's palace. Yeah. <coughs> Ribbit. And then Japanese and then girls. These, uh, Japanese thing. girl. For some, for some reason. Asian. One pair of legs. <laughs> we don't know. Asian. Oh, that's right. She's a multi-bodied. Gregory, hop on the farm and tell us that they're Japanese or not. <laughs> <laughs> they're Japanese. It's not like you can't tell by looking. As someone, okay. who, spent, as someone who spent many time, many, a lot of time in Japan and, and, and Korea, and has had girlfriends in both places, um, you can tell. This is where... The movie detours. Yeah, where yeah. in the book, yeah. really like basically the in this this is a you can, you can fix this movie. You can do your own fandom edit by like said, just doing a, sca- a chapter skip. Right, just like beep, just get like two chapters. They down. activate the improbability drive. They arrive at a planet. The planet is Magrathea. You lost twenty five minutes. You've stayed truer to the book, and you don't have a weird plot that comes and goes in twenty minutes. You keep wanting to skip around the uh, the abduction of uh, Trillian, which I, I think is fine to leave in. I just want to get get past uh, Hamakavula. But she's back by the time they get to Magrathea, so you you could. Yeah, but I'm saying the, the 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 shootout with the with the Vogons, I think, is fine. I think I'm I'm fine with all that stuff. But is that look look how many people are wearing you know costumes and in a giant? I mean, every every movie that we in this room have ever made in our entire careers did not cost as much in total as that scene does. <laughs> <laughs> it's really unfortunate because this scene doesn't need to exist in anyone's movie. I like the I like the basic joke of. This religion and its existence and its character—it just—it serves no function here. Yeah, it's—it really is kind of like a long, a long walk just to do another, uh, you know, religion 
spoof. Yeah. And again, it's like, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm always the first to go there myself. But again, it doesn't contribute anything to the rest of the movie. It's not like their religion comes back in some way and features into the plot or, or whatever. No, it's not, that's not alliteration, by the way. That's onomatopoeia. <laughs> he says your alliterative name. That's not alliteration. No, it's uh, the the great great green arkle seizure. Ah, is, uh, gotcha. Is the is the god they worship? So uh, I guess great. So great I guess green. Great, great green. I guess great is alliterative. Green. Well, gar- great green. Arkle. Yeah. Arkle. Okay. Arkle okay. I'll give it that. Yeah. Um, arkle. Now they say it? they say Achu instead of Amen. Then okay, I get uh, it. Well, that's, I that's get because, it because the because the universe was sneezed out by the right. great green arkle seizure. So that's the that's the god of of that religion. It's like the classic uh, Jake Johansson routine that uh, that there's a there's an offshoot of Christianity where they believe that Christ didn't die on the cross. He slipped in the sh- he, s- he slipped in the shower <laughs> instead the night before, and the, and the and the disciples disciples all came in and they covered it up because they like oh crap we have to write the Bible we can't end it like this. <laughs> and so so there's a uh, on cross. so there's a uh, there's a whole subset of Christianity where they believe that's the true story, <laughs> and so they wear soap on a rope around their necks and went, instead of going amen they go ah uh, whoa. <laughs> so, Anyway, again, all perfectly valid belief systems. So it's we you know, as valid as anything else, for sure. Yeah, it's not uh, not as crazy as Ergo seizure. But again, this, yeah, hey, but this, this is very much a why. What? Yeah. Okay, and and this is you know hey, it, even Zoe Deschanel thinks so. Yeah, it's kind of like it's like oh look, here's a wacky thing, and look, aren't aliens all different kinds of crazy things going? But this on? doesn't feel like this doesn't feel like Hitchhiker's Guide wacky. This is just this is just a weird sci-fi alien thing. Yeah, and and yeah. Yeah, it feels more like a Star Wars. Star, yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, or it, I was gonna say like a Terry Gilliam kind of a yeah. thing, but that's hey, Gilliam would have been Whoa. all right. Yeah, well, hold on. Well, it, if you're comparing like prequel trilogy to Terry Gilliam, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna take you outside and school you. But uh, <laughs> no, no, because I, there's a lot of uh, between Gilliam and Adams that I think overlaps. That I was, very I was saying Gilliam earlier. Adams, I, yeah. I, I wish, yeah, yeah. I wish Gilliam had Gilliam doing yeah, yeah. guy. That might have been something to see. Yeah. yeah. Because then if a guy just – then that scene would be like, well, I don't know what that was for, but that was sure fucking funny I can't believe, <laughs> and crazy. I can't believe that that probably didn't come up at some point. Yeah. There probably there probably was at some point in the last 20 years a meeting in which Terry Gilliam discussed possibly doing Hitchhiker's Guide. That sounds extremely likely to me. Gilliam was probably like, well, with my history with movies – this will be a disaster if I'm involved. So well, I don't think Gilliam would say that. Yeah. It's studio executives who say that. I mean, Gilliam was going to do Watchmen. That was that was greenlit for a long time, and then that would have been a hell of a version I, too. Like I said, I saw the script to that one. It was laying around at Disney when I was shooting another thing. It was literally sitting on a table. I'm like, oh, wow. But um, yeah, didn't happen. Did you read it? I read like the first twenty pages while I was sitting there waiting for waiting for a shoot. And were you like ah uh, or ah? Uh. I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's yeah, going to be yeah. crazy and weird, but awesome. It opened with uh, with uh, t- open. It was a totally different version than, the, of course, the the one that finally made it to the screen. It opened with uh, a whole other sequence that was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, that could work. I think the problem with this is like, it's not funny. Yeah, like, yeah. Where's also the humor? that nothing here is happening that's funny. There's no real. But it's funny weird lines. and zany. Yeah, it's so they're doing zany, it perfectly. It's zany, guys. Yeah, they're yeah. Clothes made are hitchhiker's funny. guide. And once again, I go, you know, it's like, it's like, he, and the payoff is he's going to take his second head, which has contributed nothing, and nothing has changed by the loss thereof. Yeah. And it's not exactly clear how he does that because it looks like it's yeah. part of his neck. Yeah. So it seems like they'd have to scoop out. Well, Rockwell wears a bandage, a you know, red kerchief around his neck the rest of the movie. So. Uh, and so it is kind of like it's like really like. There's the, the the script screenplay is credited to to 
Douglas Adams and like another guy. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. another guy who's written many good things. Like he wrote Over the Hedge. He's written a lot of uh, animated movies. So I kind of like, is this the scene he wrote or <laughs> or what exactly? Which I don't know. I don't want to blame the guy because I don't know. You know. This is funny. In the chat room, Frank says, apparently failed movie scripts are the highlights magazine of Disney, uh, Disney studio sets. <laughs> oh, yeah. They absolutely are. <laughs> they just have them in the waiting room. Yeah, you sit mm-hmm. around. Oh, yes, we were going to make the Bible. It literally was on a soundstage just sitting there on a table. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I picked it up. As I was shooting a test for arachnophobia, that's what I was doing there. So, uh, so yeah. So this is now, see, for me here, the movie, okay, now we're back. Now the movie's back. <laughs> you know, it's like, the Vogons are back. Yay! Yeah, I could go either way. I mean, I would be okay with either cutting out uh, Trillian's kidnapping and rescue or, or leaving it in. It's Because it goes back to what you were saying about the the, pre- the previous sequence. It, it doesn't affect uh, the rest of the movie at all itself in any way. And they don't really need her to do anything. She doesn't affect the, the movie in any way. It's a plot that arises well, no, and resolves. She's, she's the love interest. So she's, I know. She's, I know. Ar- I, she's I, Arthur's yeah. arc. I, yeah. I, yeah. You've. Uh, but uh, well, okay. So that's I think that's the other part of the problem is why does the, she leave Zaphod in the movie? The they hardly even they address. By the way, they've hardly even addressed the fact that no, well, Zaphod, no, no, why does no, she choose? No, she, why does she choose Arthur over Zaphod in the movie? She her? chooses because, him eventually because uh, he authorized the destruction of Earth, and she realizes that he's he's all he, flashing no substance, that and that Arthur is a real guy. Actually, the the point of view gun is actually one of the better moments. I think you know it's actually where the movie's like, okay, see so you can. You know, it's, it's a very, to me, it's a very Shaun of the Dead moment. Because Shaun of the Dead isn't afraid to stop and have a dramatic scene in the middle yeah. of, and that's what's so great about Shaun of the Dead. Um, and so that, the point of view gun, although it's, you know, a weird clanky idea, is like, you know, for me that scene works. I know? agree. I think it, I think it's fine. It does feel pretty Hitchhikers to me. And it's like, you know, it's, it's where the, it's, it's right on the nose, but it's kind of interesting where, as opposed to a character saying, here's what I feel, it makes the other character say, here's this is how you feel, which yeah. is an interesting way to get around you know, the clunkiness of that. So in terms of giving notes on this script, what do you say when uh, what Gareth Jennings hands you this is, here's the Hitchhiker's movie we're going to make, and you're reading it and you're like, kind of nodding like, yeah, Gareth, this is okay. I remember uh, this from uh, the book. Garth, yeah. um, okay. Um, one thing, what do you say? Why isn't it money? <laughs> <laughs> Lose the Hamakavula sequence. Yeah, uh, but it, it yeah. might. You know what? Part of the thing might have been that if you sat down and read the script, maybe it was very funny. It's, and then you're like, oh, this is all the parts that aren't on the yeah. screen, though. This yeah. is just the. It's the harder action. to tell from a script. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like I've read some pretty bad scripts that became pretty good movies. Mm-hmm. They kind of skipped over the fact that he kidnapped himself. They didn't really. Yeah, that's a big part of the book. But the yeah. way they do in the what, book, I, I don't know. I don't want to get hung up on this. They, but what was, what was <laughs> a movie that you read that was a bad script that was an all right movie? Starship Troopers. Ah. Oh, there you go. Remember that one? I was like, wow, somebody greenlit this mess? I mean, it's like, it's like, it's got spelling errors in it. Uh, <laughs> it's, yikes. Got, it's got grammatical errors Fucking in it. Yikes. It's like the chick on the, who wrote the, it's, it's recent news. It's going to be outdated. No one's going to get what I'm talking about. But the, she wrote like an online novel and then a blog reviewed it. And oh, said yes, it was, yes. It was riddled with spelling errors. And then she responded like, no, I'm wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her, her defense of her writing was like worse than oh, anything that he'd even said. That's delicious. It was, it was quite something. Clearly, yeah. you don't speak yeah. English. <laughs> yeah, no, her, her defense was, well, I'm from, I'm from England, so maybe you just don't understand oh, that yeah. dialect. And I was like, what? I would have guessed Czechoslovakia yeah. or something. <laughs> I would have guessed it's your second language. I would have gone for Thailand. I yeah. really wasn't sure. Thailand. Please do not push this button that's, again. Now, that's, that's Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. That, that's yeah. a Hitchhiker's Guide joke. 
Uh, well, there there are plenty of movies. This movie doesn't uh, not we were just get talking, it. On Twitter, you were just talking about uh, MIB three that started without a yeah, started production right. without a script, and that's you know that happens more often than should. Yeah. 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 Everyone pirate started without a done script. Casablanca yeah. as. Uh, uh, yeah. Who was it? Dave uh, Strapinis pointed, pointed out, out Casablanca yeah. did. Uh, Empire Strikes Back didn't yeah. have a completed script. Yeah. It's a well, some, some some don't have to be like said. said. My friend, who someone over there, Transformers yeah. Two. It's like, well, I don't think they yeah, finished that movie with a <laughs> yeah. completed script. That's you know, like, well, my friend who worked on Galaxy Quest said the vibe while they were making it was this movie is going to be just this weird, disjointed hunk of crap. Yeah. You know? So it's like you know, you can't tell. You don't know, dude. Where was Dean Pariso? Yeah, he like, could have made this movie. Like I said, I was Dean Pariso could you know have done a good. As job I've said about a sure. recent movie, one of the, the one of the few movies I've seen in the theater lately, just because I couldn't, I said, okay, I just gotta have to check this out. I I have to see what this is all about. Um, a movie that I just go, wow, I'm so impressed that somebody got a studio and a whole bunch of grown people to show up and do this at the same time, and not one person raised their hand and said, "Excuse me, Zack Snyder, this movie Sucker Punch we're making, what the fuck is it about? <laughs> what is going on in this movie that we're making? Shut up and put the lingerie back on. We're shooting the steam Nazis. It's just like it's this amazing what the fuck movie." That uh, I'm just so impressed by Zack Snyder that he he got humans to make it. You know, God bless you, Zack Snyder, and your powers of persuasion I, or something. I just love the visual, and I mean, I'm sure it happens a lot, and I hope to witness it someday myself. Of like making a crazy fucking movie like that, and just having the studio executives that are you know the very buttoned up people in the very boring suits come down to the set, and going, "Yes, this <laughs> yeah. is this is a worthy this investment. Is awesome. Yes, this is fantastic." I think that actually played out much like Sucker Punch, where they showed up, <laughs> and then fucking Emily Browning walked up and was like, "Hi, yeah, <laughs> Emily, go dance for him." Watch me dance. I do this. <laughs> left, right, left, left, right. And then there was a fantasy sequence. And <laughs> Go ask Alice! <laughs> I think, I, I really think, you know, and we said it before, I think that's part of what happened with the, the Matrix sequels because they made the first one and the studio was like, more, 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 more. The, well, the studio... We the, don't get what you did. The studio, yeah, the studio was like, we don't get this, we don't get this, we don't get this. And the Matrix came out and they were, and I really think the Wachowski brothers were like, let's fuck with them now because they're not, not going to get it and they're going to freak out but they're going to let us they're do gonna it. They're going to let us do it because they didn't get the last one, so they, yeah. they know they don't get it. And that was the birth of your theory. In fact, that the probably, sequels were just them punking us. In fact, yeah. this time they're probably going to say they get it. Yeah, <laughs> they were. The they were part. talking about the 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 bit with the um the big punch with uh, oh, at the, the very at the, yeah the super punch. Like they showed some famous picture of a boxer getting hit like that, and that was like their pitch. They were told to, to go do that, and they're like, that's the movie we want to make. And the executives were like, fucking A. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we totally get it. No, they, were like, they were like, we don't get it, but okay. <laughs> now, again, okay, I'm going to say for me, here's a scene that I don't recognize from any previous incarnation. Um, and they, I they think, have an idea and they get sucked I, by I, a ground yeah, spatula. Yeah. And I think it actually works for me. It's actually because it it's me played, too. you know, it's can't get more slapstick than this. This is literally the definition of the term slapstick. <laughs> they're being slapped by a this stick. This scene works for the one joke. <laughs> Which is yeah. that? All right, nobody, nobody think. think. Thwang. Yeah. One, Long, two, wait. three. And also, all three at once. The fact that it's so violent. I mean, the the effect of it is so violent. It comes up and then there's a. It's still this like <laughs> up yeah. in the air. That one, the bit. one that he just hit, just hit Sam Rockwell, actually broke. I mean, they actually animated a piece <laughs> flying off of it. It hit him so hard that the, the shovel itself snapped. Yeah, it's this combination. It's this combination of slapstick and witty at the same yeah. time that yeah. is really the tone of Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy. So it works just fine. I just love this. Okay, don't think. One, <coughs> two. Yeah. Now this is, here's three. comedy timing. <laughs> and <A> bam! No, <laughs> oh, see, no, okay, there, there it is. See, they, and perfectly timed. Everybody they made you wait for it. <laughs> All three of them, just the exact same frame, hit them in the face. Oh. And look, you know, uh, Ford's got his towel out. 
He's, he's <laughs> using his towel to. Uh, yeah, to didn't he use his towel to catch that yeah, one? He yeah, did. He, 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 he fought the one with the towel. I, I think this is great. You're just seeing. <laughs> <laughs> Look at poor Warwick Davis. Oh, you poor son of a bitch! Yeah. Now you have to run. You thought you felt bad for Anthony Daniels getting his <laughs> shins cut by C three PO. Yeah, really. Try running around in a three hundred pound ball. <laughs> yeah, I do it every day. Now the, the director did say that. It's true. Yeah, Brian does live in a hamster that cage. The, it kind of implied that the this this is kind of the natural. This is this is. The Vogons, this is not the Vogons' defense system. This is a natural phenomenon of the Vogons' planet, and that's why the Vogons are the way they are. They have these smashed-up faces, and they don't have original thoughts. Mm-hmm. Is, wow. is that this, that's what their planet was like, and that turned them into what they became, which is, makes them such great bureaucrats. That I they, like that idea. That they that's, don't have original thought, that's and that's why they're the bureaucrats in the galaxy. They just follow orders. They don't uh, have thoughts. I do like the way he's, he sort of explains to the planet, this is an idea that sucks. Yeah, this has no merit. I'm not thinking properly. Yeah, yeah. and the planet goes. All right, we'll allow that. That's good. Yeah, you're on it. Well, as long as you promise. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's now, good radio. Oh, I, want, so, I want the Hitchhiker's Guide back now, please. <laughs> now I like this. I, I like Magrathia now. I like this. For example, I like these. This uh, this gal. This this Vogon gal behind the desk is. Uh, you know, she's got. Uh, she's beautifully designed because she looks like she should look. You know, she's exactly the kind of thing you would think would have this job. And uh, the lip sync is great, and the even their computer keyboard. Did they do the Little Shop thing where they were recording it at a slower frame rate? Uh, maybe a little bit, but... Because uh, the they, lips they, are flappy they, and they're good. They, well, they're doing it with the um, with the Henson, you know, the system that basically started with uh, the show Dinosaurs, where it's it's all computerized, and they, you know, it's all these, like, these two handles with all these different controllers and keypads, and you can set them, the puppeteer can set them to do whatever they want. So if you go, well, I want the upper palate to be on my index finger, and I want to do the jaw with my little finger, and, and whatever else. And often the puppeteer will do it live, because if they're really good, and they are doing it, Live because if they are, if they're good enough, they can you know they can t- do what they're saying as they're saying it. It's you certainly can't do it if someone else is saying it unless it's pre-recorded. But um, but it's all done usually by one person using a system they've been refining for for decades now that started with dinosaurs. Yeah, and it is really weird. Like you'd think they they, I, I've seen it. Like they have a thing where they've got the regular puppeteering thing where they go kind of whack 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 with their hand but then with with the one hand and the other one they like stick the fingers in tubes and they're just kind of going like this yeah. and i it's crazy coordination i, I can't play the piano either though, here's so the, maybe it's easier than and here's the marvin cameo coming up yeah he's, he's very clunky he's very there clunky he i've never seen that he's the he's the silvery thing wait there. what now that, That's that Marvin robot. from the television show. Oh, cool! There he is on the left. There. Ah, uh, yeah. I like our uh, Marvin better than that one. At this no, point. I think that's that's closer to what I probably pictured. I don't when know. I read the books. I read the books after I saw the movie, so I was ah. fucked up. Anyway, I had the opportunity a few years ago to meet Warwick Davis, and he is. I'll start by saying, oh, legitimately a short guy. He's very small. He's like he. I think he's less than three feet tall. He's a very short guy, and I didn't know on like a social level when I was talking to him. I like I was asking him. A, it was at. Celebration 2, right after Pink Five Strikes Back played. And he had, like, announced that and showed his little short film where the BCR eats the guy and stuff like that. Yeah. And he was doing, like, a little... It wasn't even a QA. and a It was, like, after the thing was done, he was just standing up there. No one really noticed because he's short. And <laughs> yeah. I was, like... He has to stand on stage. Otherwise, he would... Holy motherfucking lost. shit. That's Ewoks. That's I'll go tiny. talk to Ewoks. <laughs> and uh, I'm standing next to him. I wanted to ask him a question about how he did a particular effect in his thing. Because he did a really cool little short film when he was in film school where this the tape in the VCR... The, the tape came out of the VCR and grabbed a guy and yanked him into it. And I wanted to ask him just questions about how he did that because I was interested. Plus, I wanted to talk to Warwick Davis. And I opened my mouth and was like, you're short. You're so small. <laughs> moly, 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 moly. Ewoks. What do you eat? 
<laughs> do you eat? Uh, maybe you should eat. That would help. And uh, I, I walked up to him, and I'm like, you know, I'm conversation distance away from him, looking down at like a 60-degree angle at his head. And I'm, I'm like, I, I truly didn't know what to do. So I asked him the question, and then I... I knelt down next to him. I didn't know if that was the right thing to do or not. So I'm like kneeling down like I'm talking to a toddler. I'm yeah. at this point like age 17 talking to Warwick Davis. I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Yeah. I feel bad regardless. You don't know the protocol. Yeah. I don't know how to talk to very little people. I had the same issue when I was doing Batman Returns and Felix Silla was one of the was one of the emperor penguins. They had every little person in, in town was uh, was there. I don't think Warwick Davis was one of them, but... Um, he wasn't in town. Yeah, he wasn't in town. But Felix Silla was one of them. And Felix Silla goes back to... to um, you know, he was he was uh, uh, Doctor uh, Doctor uh, whatever from uh, the Buck Rogers series, and but he was like he's he's been a stunt guy because he's stunt he did stunts for kids, you know, because he's very pro- he's 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 a little person, but he's very well proportioned little person, yeah. So he can pa- kind of pass more for a child than uh, than just a short guy, and some can, and uh, and he's a, and he's a very dapper <laughs> gentleman. He was you know he's middle aged by that point, and he's very dapper. He had a little mustache. He would come out here a little dressing gown, like a little silk dressing gown that was his proper size. You know, come out of his trailer and get out of his <laughs> penguin suit and come, and we were little. Talking, all of us puppeteers were literally talking about the original Wild Wild West and the guy who played Dr. Loveless in the original Wild Wild West, which was a little person who was, uh, has, has since died, and we couldn't think of the actor's name. And here comes Felix Silla, who's been in, in the business forever, comes walking up, and I'm like, Okay, this is almost like, hey, black dude, let me ask you about this other black Last dude. Last time you were at the black meeting, did yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. So I kind of, and there he is, he's all dressed, and, and I did the same thing. I'm like, Felix. And I and I knelt down. I felt like I should, you know, kneel like next to him. Oh, and that uh, sucks. And, you know, and there you he feel is. Bad. And I was like, uh, I was like, Felix. So, you know, pardon the question, but I'm sure you must have known who was it that played Doctor Loveless on uh, on Wild, Wild West. And he said, uh, you know, Michael, uh, Michael, whatever the actor's name. And I'm like, of course, yes. You know, and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, I knew him. Yeah, I was like, of course you, of course you did. I mean, not that you would, but is that the same time where your my favorite, my second favorite Trey story? I don't think you've even told on down in front where the the where you're like standing at like a craft table with someone else and a little person comes oh, no, in. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll Tell that story because okay. I fucking love that story and the uh, movie doesn't come back for a few All minutes. right, yeah, because we're still in this, this uh, vignette. Um, I was going to say, I was wondering, have I told that story before? It was when we were doing um, oh, Freaked. This. We're doing Freaked and uh, there's a joke in it where a character gets progressively smaller and is played by a successfully smaller series of actors culminating in Mishu, who was at the time was touring with the Ringling Brothers, was the smallest man on earth. Uh, I don't know if he's still around. But... Uh, so the day we were shooting, they were shooting that scene. It wasn't a scene I was involved in, but I was, you know, on the set of the movie, and um, and we're sitting in the green room. And Mishu came in because it was his day. He was going to be in the scene, and uh, it was a tiny cameo. Pardon the expression. And um, and uh, he came and he wasn't in. He was waiting to go into makeup and wardrobe and all that. And he just comes in the green room, and uh, you know, we, there's about four of us in there, and it really was like. I mean, we're all just like. Holy fucking god! That's a small person. I mean, that—that's like the world's smallest man or something. <laughs> He's like mind-bogglingly small, and you're like, and so of course we're trying to be cool about it. And so he comes in, and of course he's been himself his whole life. You know, he's—he's say he's used. He's, 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 I'm sure he's had people say and do all kinds of things, and he's used to it. And so he just came in, and he, you know, there's the couch, and the couch was like, you know, like a second story of a building for this guy, and but he. He, again, he's so used to it. He just reached up, he pulled one of the cushions off the couch, just hauled it off the couch, put it on the floor, and sat on that. You know, just because that's clearly what he does. <laughs> and so he he sits there, and we're like, you know, hey, what's up? You know, how you doing? <laughs> and then we sort of continued our conversation, trying to ignore the fact that the world's smallest man is in the room with us. And um, and. <laughs> 
and then and then they someone came to the door and said, "Oh, Mishu, we're ready for you in uh, makeup if you want to come now." And oh, okay, and you know he got up and put the coat, put the cushion back on the couch and and uh, you know kind of gave us all a little wave and walked out and as and as we as he walked out the door into the hallway and went around disappeared out of the hallway um one of the makeup gals or wardrobe gals or whatever she she appears in the door and she's doing this double take because she's watching him walk away <laughs> you know and so she's framed in the doorway and she's just looking at him like oh my god and then she looks at us in the green room because she saw he just came out of the green room and she goes oh my god that mishu is so cute and i said can you see him too? <laughs> and the guy, the guy next to me, Dave, who had been holding back suppressed hysteria for thirty minutes, exploded. I thought Dave was going to lose his mind. He he laughed so hard. He, Can one of you the few times, too. One of the few times in my life, anyone literally fell out of their chair. He went to the floor and rolled around on the ground, just releasing, releasing this suppressed uh, laughter that he'd been holding back for a half retroactively hour. Retroactively, very well played, Trey. <laughs> You see him too. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the better. You know, very, very few times in life does life hand you an opportunity for a setup and a payoff like that. And we're getting closer to the movie. Back to again. the movie. Well, you know, uh, Zoe's in a shower and a towel, and I, I support that. I, I'd like a I shower like well. that where it like what rains. Zoe Deschanel in it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So you can see over the I top, would. or what do you mean? Huh? No, where it like rains. It's oh, not yeah. coming from a nozzle. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. raining. Yeah. Rich people have those. No, yeah, I know. That would take you like five hours. And poor people do too, to... but it's called rain. No, in Arkansas, we called them an Oklahoma shampoo. Now, here's the thing. Again, here's where I hate the internet. Yeah, take that. Even Arkansas doesn't like you, Oklahoma. Take that, other poor state. Yeah. Here's where I hate the internet. Is I think it was on IMDb again, which is where if you, I guess people said, but but what is the whole thing where they're saying suddenly there's two two of trillion someone loses it's a mirror you moron (laughs) the movie was like suddenly there's two of her is it some kind of strange time travel paradox no it's a mirror where i had a bathroom and they have you guys recall in men in black there's a a shot and it's not a a running gag or anything but there's a shot men in black in men in black headquarters where in the background you see a bunch of you know penguin suit extras and then one guy is upside down on the ceiling back there remember that and I, a guy was explaining to me, like, dude, that was even supposed to be there. It was a compositing error. I'm like, what? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Compositors know which side the head goes on. They put it there on purpose. In fact, I think it was on set. Not an error at all. And the guy was like, why didn't I think of that first? <laughs> I'm like, horses, not zebras, buddy. Because you're a moron. Oh, that's uh, like like the Wizard of Oz thing, where there's something way deep in the background. It's definitely a midget killing himself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no. It's a shape moving. It's a crane. Yes. It like was a, a bird. bird. <laughs> Not even close to a midget, you terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> Birds have feelings and midgets have feelings. But, but midgets' and feelings are not smaller and easily more right. easily hurt that they decide to kill themselves a now lot this more. Is Simon, as far as I know, this is I don't know. Simon, Maybe they do. Simon sure Jones. Some are, yes. right? yeah. Well, they're human beings. They, they, Arthur Dent in the BBC Arthur series. Arthur Dent from the television series. No, I was just saying I don't know what the statistics are. Maybe they do kill themselves more often. But well, I, in, I'm going to say that they according don't. According to so. In Bruges, they do. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the great le- – my, my movie pick of the week is In Bruges. We just watched that last night. Fantastic movie. I love In Bruges. Although I do think that the script – the script is a little bit <laughs> in fucking Bruges. The script is actually funnier than the movie, slightly. Yeah, oh my it's God, a little bit funnier everything. than the, the film and midgets. This is such a weird thing that they do, where his head keeps going. Yeah. I don't and, ah, and, and looks at you, it keeps looking at you no matter what. But yeah, yeah, and the fact that it's got this. You know, I, I should be wearing my 3D glasses. Yeah, exactly. I'm not getting the full effect of the hologram, am I? Well, I don't think it actually functions in 3D though. 
Well, no, but well, we that's the impression. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you're supposed to be wearing 3D glasses while watching this hologram he's about doc- how they're launching missiles. I want to try you. it with Anaglyph. He's Magrathy yeah. and Dr. No. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Who. Dr. No Who. Dr. Who Knows. Dr. Seuss. So here we are back to a straight up to the book. A well-known, you know, and and famous vignette from the book, which is great, which is the the, the bowl of petunias and the sperm whale. I just uh, oh, no. looked up little person suicide statistics and like the first four or five links are debunking the wizard of oz thing. <laughs> good. Good. See, sometimes the internet is good. Happy to do it, fella. Oh, I wish I could help. By the way, it's funny. I was just like the, in preparation for this, re-listening to the audiobook. I have it on my iPod. Uh, on my way home from work and stuff, and Stephen Fry does almost the same voice that Tom Lennon does. No kidding. Yeah. It's just, how else would you do any? It's like, yeah. I'd be sure to glad Happy to do it now. Pleased as punch. It's as if C-3PO wasn't kind of foppish and effeminate. He was more... Yeah, more excited. There are certain, there are certain voices. Was, there's kind of Christian only... Christian Bale in American Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> the probability of ex- yeah. an asteroid is 3,240 to 1. That would have been amazing. We're doomed. Hey, Paul. <laughs> someone should someone should redub Star Wars that way. That would be Three PO doing that with, with the up, pro, relentlessly upbeat three PO. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call me a mindless philosopher. Yeah. You overweight glob of grief. There's yeah. no escape for the princess this time. Yeah, we're doomed, guys. <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Dude, there should be an Eddie version. I think we should do that. We, uh, there's a, there's a, there's, it's so easy to do. I think that'd oh, be that's fantastic. great. Just to show that voices are very important. Yeah, exactly. There, there's a lot of character in them. Stephen Fry also in the in the Potter books, he does Hagrid like exactly the this way Robbie it's done Coltrane? in the movie. Yeah, and I almost have, I have to wonder if one of them is imitating the other, or if it's just that's clearly the way a guy named Hagrid's going to talk. He's he's clearly got that particular accent because he's written that way, and then he's just going to have that voice. We've had yeah. so many tangents. But I, How are you, on, on the subject of doing Hagrid, I never knew what the word S U M M A T was supposed to be in the summat. books. Summat. 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 I think it's some of that. Yeah, some of that. Or but, something. But it's like, yeah, summat. summat. It's the equivalent like, of something. When he says it's like, that is summat, it's like, yeah. oh, I get it. There it is. Bam. Cockney. Gotcha. <laughs> and then here's the whale. Well executed Which, by sequence. God, they did the whale. And a great scene it is. Yeah, and I do like the petunias. Oh, no. It is, it is definitely again. the kind of thing where you're like, all right, if we're going to, like, if. Someone just came into the room and was like, all right, Hitchhiker's Guide movie, go. You're like, well, you got to do the whale. Yeah, do the whale and the whale. petunias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, if nothing tells you the sensibility of how Douglas Adams sees the universe, this is your scene yeah. that tells you. And what's funny is that this scene is in the book and everywhere. is like desperately sad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really unfortunate. And it's, I, I, it's, it's sad here just yeah. because he's, what's this? Oh, what's that large thing coming at me? Will yeah. it be my friend? He's he's so adorably eager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I love that he's welcome coming to the universe. <laughs> it's brief but exciting. Yeah, he's coming up with like the same names for everything. <laughs> I should give it a large name. Own round the guy. Round, the guy round. did this voice. The guy did this voice is not a big name person. Um, I, I I really wish it had been Eddie Izzard. I think Eddie Izzard. Oh, it would have been a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wouldn't have sounded that much different, but it would yeah. have been Eddie Izzard. Well, Eddie Izzard. I think Eddie, they. I think they should have brought Eddie Izzard in for like a, a bit of script work because Eddie <laughs> Izzard is very much this his his stand up is very much the he same. He has the same kind of yes. sensibility. He's, he's, yeah. got the, right. he's got the same sensibility and also uh, in terms of the humor and also in terms of the he'll bring something up then the go tangents. wandering off on a tangent for twenty minutes but and then, then he come comes back, back to it. To it. Yeah, yes. exactly. He's very good at that. Now here's another scene where it's kind of like okay, the movie just kind of doesn't know what to do for about five minutes yeah. and and then but then it is redeemed because then Slaughter Bart Fast shows up. God, Bill Nighy just fucking destroys that role. He owns the shit <laughs> he out of Slaughter Bart Fast. And it was only it was only the second thing. 
thing I'd ever seen him in because the first thing I saw was like uh, was Shaun of the Dead, which is like okay, he's fantastic in that. I love that guy, whoever he is. The first, the first thing I saw him in was uh, Love Actually. Okay, that's so, a, as the seen. aging rock star, Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Is it Bill Nighy or is it Bill Nye? I, I hear Nye. They say Nye. Nye. Yeah. But I like... Because I always thought it was Bill Nye or, yeah. or Niggy you know, way back in the day. It's, it's, it's Nye, Nye or Nye. I think when you're British, it comes out Nye. Yeah. I say Nye. I, I say Nye with a little bit of an E at the end because I'm like, it feels like it ought to be. There's are extra letters you, in there. You're an ambassador is what yeah. you are. I love it. Apparently, Bill Bailey is the voice of the, the whale. And when you say the name Bill Bailey, I go to QI. Uh, he was on the quiz show thingy. Anyway, whatever. Okay. Well, well, that went well. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to help <laughs> Matt Feta Veda out. Ah, gotcha. By having information fed to me by the chat room, <laughs> which could be wrong. <laughs> that I said on my podcast, it'll be around forever. Moving on. There you go. Now, here's a lie that's the whole the whole lemon juicer thing is again not from any incarnation of previous incarnation, but I think it works because it has that payoff of the lines like we're talking about the word of a man whose brain runs on lemons. It's like okay, that's a that's a hitchhikery line. And, I and can the, see that. And the cut to Sam Rockwell, just the shit eating the grit on his face yeah. is just perfect. But here it's kind of like, okay, I kind of... Those portals look fucking dangerous. Well, I think that's the idea. That's because they like, look like jet engines. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, are you, do you really want to jump into that? Well, it's not even that. It's just the effect. It looks like a bunch of shards of glass. Yeah, it's like it's, you're going to get cut to bits, is, which is uh, the point, I think, is you know, to trust should you do that or not. And, and you know, this is Arthur's sort of dark night of the soul, or dark tea time of the soul, See, is, <laughs> uh, is that he doesn't do it. He can't make himself do it. The, right now, and for the first probably 30 minutes... Maybe even 45 minutes of the movie. I'm like, oh, Hitchhiker's Guide movie. You're not perfect, but there you are. And I try to forget the stuff that doesn't work. Like, I really, like, in my heart, in my constitution, want this to be the movie that you can pop in and watch to experience Hitchhiker's Guide in, like, a summarized form. And it... <clears throat> 80%. It, it's there 80%. But there's that 20% with uh, John Malkovich, and there's a couple other bits here and there that just... it. Not yeah, there's another scene coming there. up where I'm like, whoa, what's going on in yeah. this scene? But that's okay because in in less than two minutes, Slaughter Bartfast is going to come in and the movie's going to be awesome for at least six minutes after that. <laughs> so we've got that to look forward to. But meanwhile, yeah, yeah. meanwhile we have to deal with this for a little while. Meanwhile, hey, look, I have an actual hitchhiker's pot guide. Yeah. In my fucking <laughs> yes. By the, the way, iPod. I can't find anything on little person suicide. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, Maybe they don't kill themselves. They're, that, they're, that, well, no, they are corrected in Bruges. Hervé Villachez and the guy from uh, the lead, uh, um, uh, what's his name, from, uh, oh, God, uh, Time Bandits, the main guy from Time Bandits killed himself. That shocked me in the uh, in the theaters, I will say, when, when Zepha just goes, bam, and then gets back up again, <laughs> uh, which, yeah. which I'm sure was a, a yeah. comp, but it did, yeah. like, whoa. It's, it's impressive. <laughs> and uh, actually, speaking of Wizard of Oz, Rewatching it again uh, uh, in recent years, there's a similar scene. The the monkeys pick up the Tin Man and then drop oh. him, and then they they help him up right in yeah. the forest. And I was watching it, and it's literally like it's a big wide shot, and they drop the Tin Man, and it doesn't cut. He just gets up. I was like, <laughs> holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> Damn. So. And it, it was the dude. It wasn't like a stunt guy. Yeah. It was just it's just the guy. I was like, fuck. That was before SAG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So here's Bill Nye to save the movie for a brief period of time. <laughs> he's, he's so great. Oh, he just nails it. He just fucking... I don't know if it's just that he's an easier then, role to play or if he just was the right casting the, choice. The funny thing is he's another... He's actually another person who kind of sort of does it the same way every time. He just 
kind of dials up or down how much malice is in it, but right. otherwise it's essentially the same role. Yeah, if there's yeah. a couple, I, I remember uh, he's like, I, he's the like, first time if he had more of an accent, he'd be uh, you know Davy Jones. Yeah, so be awesome. right, exactly. The first time I remember assigning a name to this actor was Davy Jones. Yeah, and I recall the next time I saw Bill Nye after that, it was uh, hot fuzz it, for me. It was. No, I don't recall. It, it but is. I, I went. Oh, it's fucking Davy Jones. Yeah. It is it is so it's so distinctive. I didn't know he was Davy Jones or anything. As soon as Davy Jones was on the screen, I'm like, I know who that is. That's that guy. <laughs> I know who's doing that performance. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a you know, a testament it, to It is impressive yeah. that yeah, that, that you can still kinda you can see him in it. Yeah. I mean that's that's what is so amazing about the Davy Jones effect is that you can still what, see Bill Nye in I there. I wonder what would happen if you put somebody like Gary Oldman under Davy Jones uh-huh. effects and makeup. <laughs> Would he just cease to exist? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I was, I when was, he melts into a character and you can't see his face, he's I was gone. La- I yeah. was laughing because I thought you said Gary Coleman. <laughs> oh. And <laughs> I think that would have been... That would be I would, I would pay to see Gary Coleman having done... <laughs> Do a, doing well, I'm sure Asylum will get around to... Uh, oh, I guess they can't now. <laughs> nah, no, they shame. probably won't. But... Uh, uh, Gary, well, Gary Oldman, he can turn it up to 11, too. Yeah, but oh, he's, no. he's got more range, Everyone! <laughs> I love this. I just from the book, not oh, even so all much the planets you can have. I just love that. I just love Slardy Barfest's <laughs> yeah. fucking fascination with doing fjords. Yeah, <laughs> he's he, so fucking. He, he won an award for them. He won an award for Norway. Yeah. Did you ever go there? No. no. Oh. <laughs> Pity. Pity. Yeah. It's a uh, Slardy Barfest, and, and again, well, I guess I'll get back to my fjords then. A very, uh, very uh, Adamsian concept is you know planets. Oh yeah, no, they're they're, they're manufactured. They're manufactured to spec. You know that. They're they're a toy for rich people. You get a planet made for yourself. I do love. I mean, it's you got to wonder how did this start. I do like that little bit, even though it's kind of on the nose. It's like, well, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men. What? <laughs> yeah, My, of mice and men. Yeah, well, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, oh, men, right? Yeah, yeah sure. men. Sure. Yeah. Okay, that's funny. As if men had anything. To here we go. Coming into so here we go. What so, I think is the most visually delivering sequence. It is where the movie kind of goes. Oh, it. it Fucking, do you recall the Hitchhiker's Guide? It, it to the works galaxy? for a minute. Oh, it's beautiful, and it's almost exactly the way I would hoped it would have looked. Where they even have a, a planet in the background, where in the book it describes one planet as looks busy. You can't explain why; it just does. Nothing different, just looks busy. And they have one of those here. You can see a planet that's clearly being built, but you don't see anything happening around it. And the the one thing that I was worried about them trying to bring to film, or at least revisiting and seeing how they pulled it off, because I didn't recall it the first time I'd seen it, was in the book they go on and on about. The scope of what's going on on this factory floor where there's a wall that's completely flat and even the most finely tuned laser sensors couldn't tell that it wasn't flat, but it's actually the inside of a hollow sphere. It's that big. I'm like, well, there's no way to visualize. How how do you visualize visualize a sphere that big? can't visualize infinity. Right. Exactly, and that's that's part of what the joke is. It's like it's actually much easier to compare uh, size when looking at this than infinity because infinity looks rather Boring. Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, this sequence here, and I, I, I think uh, Freeman's reaction is so great here yeah. that he's like he's literally overwhelmed by it, which is fantastic. Yeah. But the which is hard to do when you're yeah. on, you know he's, but there's nothing room. to actually see. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but it, this it wasn't infinity. In fact, infinity itself looks flat and uninteresting. Yeah. So this uh, and that scene is just sort of just it's a it's a fest. It's it's the, it is an excuse to normally I'm against freeze framing, but that scene is is good yeah. for freeze framing. Thanks to Brian for like highlighting all the relevant <laughs> passages from the book on his iPad. Well, on his it, Hitchhiker's Guide. It's on also, my Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide. Huh? That's right. It's also searchable, but <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Well. Well. You know, they get away with it in part because it's like it's this big room and it's like oh, there's a lot of 
full-size planets in there. Yeah. yeah. So that's a fucking big room. <laughs> and, and yeah, trying to visualize, I mean, I, I'm really impressed that they were able to do that, to give it the sense of scale yeah. of it's a room that has planets in it. it you know? What's the most surprising to me, like on, the, like on the most specific level, you have to pass this but not exceed it, is it has to look like space but not like space. Mm-hmm. And they pulled it off. I don't know how. I guess yeah. it's just the lack of stars. Maybe that's just something you well, can there, do when there, you're going to There stars. are kind of stars, but they're clearly the like patterns, windows, and lights on the wall. Like they're yeah. they're it's more. Like the, it's like the Bespin tunnel that Luke falls. Yeah, down. they're more regular than stars, so you can tell yeah. it's a wall and not stars, but it still feels like space. However, they did it. It's a great description of the indescribable. Yeah, undescribable. So if you showed that sequence at Comic Con, people would know for a fact this movie would rule. Well, they did. That <laughs> yeah. was in the trailer. Yeah. And people yeah. were like, oh, oh that, all right. That, right. Yeah. At the, well, the trailer, and I love the, tra- the, the second Hitchhiker's Guide trailer, uh, which is the one that most people remember. The first was uh, uh, the Earth explodes, and then it says, don't panic. Uh, the second trailer is one of my favorite trailers of all time. It's up there with the comedian trailer that Don LaFontaine did, uh, or at least was featured in, and so on and so forth. The breathing trailer for Attack of the Clones. This one was like Stephen Fry as the Hitchhiker's Guide explaining what a trailer is supposed to be. Oh, yeah. And at yeah. the end, and that's when this shows up, he's like, and finally there's a last set piece set to rock music to blow whatever synapses you have out of your head. It's just like, oh, awesome. <laughs> they get it. They totally get it. I just love Stephen Fry, man. He just reads the Hitchhiker's Guide the way I want to hear it read. Yeah. And in fact, I tweeted a while back. I was like, who do I see about changing the voice in my head to Stephen Fry? <laughs> like Can I have that done? I would like the voices in my head to all be played by Stephen Fry. It's like, where you're like walking out to your car, you're like, shit, I forgot my wallet. I want it to be, shit, I forgot oh, my wallet. Oh, shit, I forgot my wallet. There it is. And I want, mm. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm captivated, so you guys talk. Yeah, this, um, this sequence, too, is, again, it's is as amazing and, and awesome as it is. It also is, has this improbable thing that they get around this thing that literally is physically attached. Yeah. And if you want to go down, <laughs> now, the, now the, the, you know, the, the bottom one, you have to attach this one. And they, they attach again to travel across the Earth. It's just this insane piece of technology. I like the fact that this guy's painting Ayers Rock. It was great. <laughs> Ayers Rock is – or, uh, or whatever the aboriginals yeah, actually hand. properly call it. Ayers Rock. Ayers Rock is, is what us white people that's, call that's it. That's true. It's called something also by the, the indigenous. Guy, also love the guy just filling in the ocean with yeah, the fire hose. It's, it's just full of this. That guy fucking you know. hate. It's like the guy that spins a sign in front of the pizza place. Yeah, that's that, got to be a hell of a job. job. Sucks. That's got to be. He's got to fill the ocean. Dude, Man. those guys go to like camps and stuff to yeah. learn how to do that shit. The yeah. sign spinning. Yeah. 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 Really? Is it weird oh, yeah. that I'm more likely to give? Be there, should, there should be like a movie starring Ben Stiller about one of those camps. <laughs> there's a web series about, about like there's a web guys, series about him. Oh, nice. We're talking about the guys that'll stand out in front of certain stores that they'll just have a guy out front with a sign that they're spinning like a like a lightsaber yeah. all day long, just mm-hmm. flipping it around and stuff. Trying which to get is your which is not particularly useful for if you actually wanted to see what was on it most of the time. Right. But. Exactly. I'm always more likely to give those guys a sprite than like I would give a hobo a sprite. I always want to like <laughs> yeah. be like, dude, you're fucking working your ass. They're off. working yeah. hard. Will, yeah. Well, you are working for food, so you yeah. do. The, if the hobo spun his sign like that, <laughs> I give him some change. Yeah. Like, I, I had a, I had a, I had a girlfriend a number of years ago who just like I, I cracked up and I've never forgotten the way she put this. Uh, she's like, we should go to the part of town where the hobos show off their little signs. I'm like, oh my god, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> where they're showing off their little they're signs. Showing off their little signs. <laughs> the park. <laughs> the part of the the part of the town. Oh yeah. Anyway, no, I was saying uh, I call that the park. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, really, really. I call that this neighborhood. Yeah. So this is a fun little thing where we all have two hobos and one of them's retarded and nice. All the actors get yeah, to, all the actors get to p- do pr- impressions of each other in this sequence. So you know, most deaf just got to do his Sam Rockwell impression, and uh, Sam Rockwell gets to do a most deaf impression, but then he gets to do his Zoe Deschanel impression now. The more movies I watch with Sam Rockwell in them, 
and the more consistently I love him every single time, just watching him, I always wonder if he's one of those guys like maybe like um, oh shit, Daryl Hammond, where it's like he can do anything, and in person he just sort of sucks. He just sort of sits there and doesn't really have a personality. I wonder if that's Sam Rockwell. I recall the first time I really watched an interview with him was for Moon when we did the commentary for Moon, and I was I was pleasantly surprised at the time. But there's he just does so many different things that I wonder if he's more boring in person, just sort of like, hey, <laughs> saves it, saves it all for the yeah, screen. I know he saves it. Well, I don't know about boring. He might not be as wacky in person, certainly. Yeah, but I hope not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not sure I'd like him well, if he was. Well, I'm he's sure. not. Well, he's not even. He's not wacky in most of his roles. He's usually some variation of either a douche or sinister. That's true. This but, is also weird. Look at him. He's even doing her eyes. It's like, <laughs> it's like he's really he's really doing a whole thing. Which is, I wonder if that's like as he's an actress to her. as an actress to watch an actor like do his impression of you, at the twitching, or is there? So it's like, really, am I like that? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is that how I act? And uh, the punchline works. Of course, it doesn't work on me. I'm a woman. Yeah. It is. Some people, I get, some people took offense at that. Like, oh, yeah, feminism. Yeah. Okay. Get over it. That's fucking like, black people are good at sports. Fuck you, man. Yeah. Hey, where do you get off saying Women that? are understanding. Oh, yeah. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> Shut up, man. Yeah. It's not, hey, come on. It's not like I said, Asians are good at math. Yeah. Mm. Dude, Asians fucking are good at math. Yeah. They actually are because they care. Well, so, not only yeah. that, they also study. Is, That's also yeah, math. they study. It's it's not, they're not genetically good at math, but they spend the time think, and they get that I way. I think this was in Super Freakonomics, the second Freakonomics book, but it refers to the, the way that numbers are categorized in the, angel, in, in the Asian I, language. I, I remember they, reading something like that, too. It subutizes much easier for yeah. an Asian yeah. Yeah. than it does for us because they count them differently. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that... That's that's There's unfair. A, also, yeah. fuck it, you. Isn't it in Freakonomics or maybe it's Outliers where they talk about it the must be Outliers because I read Outliers. Yeah. Outliers. Yeah. Well, the the history of agriculture there, you know, the the way you cultivate rice versus wheat, you know, it demands more more work and more immediate reward. So it just there's a cultural work ethic that's different for right. Eastern cultures than than for Western yeah. cultures. Yeah. So yeah. We could be good at so, math, we just aren't. So racism <laughs> is justified, is our point. That's no. right. Bear in mind, like, 95% of the time that Bill Nye is on screen, he's doing it on a green screen. Yeah, yeah. He's just, just doing nothing. And it's, it's, it's yeah. also the comping is beautiful, too. Oh, yeah, the comping is great. But he has uh, he's the one who has the great line. It's like, uh, you know, this, you, you'll never understand the universe, so forget forget trying to make sense of it <laughs> just, and keep yourself busy. I mean, it's like, there you go. It's There's the movie. There's the There's the entire philosophy summed up. There we go. The only thing to do is say, hang the sense of it and keep, keep yourself, yourself busy. busy. And that's, yeah. yeah. But I, I love the response. You know, I'd much rather be happy. Are you? No. no. That's where it all no. falls apart. <laughs> that's where the whole Not theory really. falls apart. <laughs> the fiddly bits around the edge of I Norway. Like his, uh, my favorite line of his actually is, is the little, is the little, with the, the Himalayas. Good, eh? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's looking for a pat on the back for the Himalayas, which I thought was just good. Now, the, there's a difference in the movie and the book in terms of ending and how it wraps itself up. This is not quite as... As noticeable, I guess, as there was a squid and now there's not a squid and what's going on with my universe. But <laughs> it is it is slightly different. And that might be because the book doesn't have a very strong ending yeah. it, no. in terms in terms of you feel that everyone has ended. And, you know, true enough, the I, book series continued and it never really even yeah, never the first resolved. page of Restaurant at the End of the Universe. It finally feels resolved. like the last page of Hitchhiker. In, yeah. in the fifth book, he did kind of go, OK, I'm going to wrap up some I'm things. Done. Yeah, I'm going to actually finish this. But and he, had, he uh, at the, towards the end of his life, he was talking about doing a sixth book. That which, wouldn't surprise well, me. Uh, someone did write a sixth yeah, book. Somebody wrote a uh, and another thing or something. And, yeah, I think that was was that the 
Fifth or the sixth? That, no, Douglas wrote five, right? Yeah. yeah. So it would have been the sixth. I think it came out like 99 or something. 2009. Had... Very recent. 2009? Mm-hmm. Really? The, the most recent book, yeah. Huh. Anyway, I, I read some reviews of it just because I was interested. And uh, a lot of people said, nailed it. And a lot of people said, imitation. No, not even close. It's like the new James Bonds, I guess. <laughs> a lot of people said, imitation. Oh, gee. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, my mistake. Yeah. I thought that was the point <laughs> of this I thought that shit. was the great one. Now, now, here again is where, you know, after, after that beautiful sequence with, with Starter Bart Fast, and it's like, okay, then there's this, which is like, why is everyone acting like an idiot? And I guess the idea is they've been drugged by the mice, but my God, it goes on too long, and they're, they're being just idiots, and it's not funny, and it's like, what the hell? But the sequence is... Pretty much out of the book, though. The performances are weird. Yeah. But I this, mean, the scene was out of the book, but just, again, the performances okay. are so crazy over the top. You know, it's like, I could see, it's just not a choice I would have made. I was just, you know, this is not, it's not funny the way they're playing it. It's, it's yeah. kind of disgusting I mean, and sad. I mean, at this so. point, honestly, at this point, if anything, it should be. He should be the guy who's totally chill about everything now. Yeah. He's like, oh, the mice talk here. Well, well he, what do you have to say, Mice? Well, he is. No. And he is, he is being cool about that. But it's well, like, he's, yeah. being, he's being cool and they're like, oh, talking Mice. Oh, <laughs> all right. So I'm definitely I'm insane at this Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's most excited about the tea. Yeah, as, op- as opposed to just being like, all right, either that's happening or I'm crazy, but the tea's good, so fuck it. Yeah, what do you yeah. got to say? Hang the sense of it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. So he's absorbed the lesson. He's, he's learned the lesson that there's to learn about these. He's seen the entire universe and he's back home. And the and the lesson is well you know when you have tea enjoy it because it's not available everywhere yeah so so this is you know again plot wise is right out of the books and, and every other incarnation I think is you know well, the yeah, white the is. white mice run everything and uh, in the book what happens immediately after this is that they threaten him they run out and then they get stopped by a couple of Magrathian or uh, Logan cops no humanoid cops must have been Magrathian cops stopped by cops that are gonna blow the shit out of them and then they both fall over dead. Because their life support was coming from a ship that Marvin talked to. <laughs> That's <laughs> Which right. is funny. It is, a, it is a fun bit of character comedy. One bit I, uh, I definitely miss is with both those cops and then with one of the Vogons early on when they first uh, board the ship uh, in the beginning of the movie is they have a full-on conversations with you know what are supposed to be stock Stormtrooper characters but who are... Be by virtue of these I think conversations, you quite like us socially. Completely fleshed out. Yeah, we're, we're nice people. So, I'm yeah. what liberal cops we are. I'm working on a novel. <laughs> it's like that. That is quintessential like subversion of, of expectations in Douglas Adams. Never been yeah. published though. I'm in a mean mood. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. I I wish some of that had made it to the screen. Well, I did with uh, with uh, Ford talking to the bartender. Should we put a bag on our head? Yeah, sure, if you want. If you, you feel want. better. You Will it help? No. No. <laughs> Not Bye. at all. Good luck. There should have. I, yeah. I feel like there should have been more of that. There should have been more of just kind of... Conversational wit. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, almost like everything's grinding to a halt because it's like, wait a second, I need yeah. to, we need to discuss well, what's it's, going it's on Well, play, it's playing with the you know, tropes and cliches. Like, okay, well, here's a stormtrooper, but this this stormtrooper in the real world is a fully fleshed out human yeah. being himself. Yeah. This is just his job. And, and this, this is, is his job, does. yeah. And he's going to go home at the end of the day and enjoy his own cup of tea. And that, that to me, strikes is, is the most, like, hitchhiker and the most... Uh, Right, We're most in, that, the, it, most, the most cinematic aspect of the Hitchhiker book. Yeah. Well, we're gonna either we're gonna we're gonna shoot you if you don't come out. Which would you prefer? A millisecond later, the sky lit up with electronic flyer. A moment later, it stopped. We didn't <laughs> enjoy that at all. Are you gonna come out? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, well, that's <laughs> right. Yes, I hadn't read that in a while, but I remember that. <laughs> they blow the place up. We're gonna see. We didn't enjoy that. No, this is just our job. 
So <laughs> this, this sort of the, the little crushed fairy reference here. Everyone in the chat is now jonesing to read the books again. Yeah, yeah do that. Like, yeah. Well, this movie does should, yeah. encourage you to want to it read them Encourages like, yeah. relive well, the books. That's the thing. There's well, There are people who saw this movie. It's like, I can always tell who didn't read the books because they're like, that was a funny movie. It's like, yeah. oh, that's... Uh-huh. you. So you've never read the books. Yeah, you haven't read the you books. Did, you then. didn't know to be offended. Yeah. Well, it's like it's you why, haven't you haven't had your funny gauge set. It's yet. why I can you, you well, need to go get that calibrated. It's also why I can unabashedly enjoy the Lord of the Rings movies without having to go into some kind of nerd rage over anything. It's like yeah, Tom Bombadil. I don't know who that is. I don't care. I'm to- <laughs> I'm totally glad he's out of the movies. Yeah. By the way, that wouldn't work at all. <laughs> I did that with the Lord of the Rings. I specifically did it that way. <laughs> I I watched the movies first, and then between each movie, I read the mm-hmm. the book for the movie I had just seen because. I was like, I care way more about movies than I do about turn-of-the-century fantasy literature, so Clearly. I'm going to make the movie my priority. I like, I like trying to read the, the book first, but a lot of times I, – I, I just try try to give it a gap because if it's yeah. too close, then I'm too aware of what's changed. Right. But if it's not, then I'm like more okay. Like I, I – Reread the Harry Potter books occasionally, but I really try not to do it right before a movie because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, then you'll be because I watch it and inclined. I know everything that's that's missing and stuff like that. Even if I'm not going to complain, I'm like, well, that's kind of weird that they did it that way. And, blah, yeah. blah. and you're distracted and, by it, yeah. And why why did she say that line that was Ron's line before? And yeah. like, I just yeah. meanwhile, I found the solution. Just watch the movies with subtitles. <laughs> that, here's an odd thing now: the, that fact that the Vogon sentries are like, he's got a towel, run away. <laughs> oh no, we have to go around. The gate it, is locked. Go around. It's fantastic. But um, now. I have an objection here, a plot objection, and it's, I have the same objection with Terminator 2, just so you know, is that Marvin gets shot and blacks out and then gets up again and saves yeah. the day. With no you know, justification. With no justification whatsoever. for how that's – it was like, well, if he's shot in the head, he's shot in the head, or he's not. You know, I was like, how are we going to – you know, what's that about? Well, Terminator 2, I can give it because the whole point is – But they let you see sort of that he had that yeah, – you know, the, the backup, backup power system. As this a, this as is a, just gets up again. Yeah, exactly. As like, a Terminator, it's like that's what he does. He's going to yeah, keep doing exactly. that, but he happens to be on the good side. So this movie time. just has it both ways. It's like, yeah. okay, you want to be sympathetic for Marvin, but we also want to go – and then he saves the day, and that's just you – know, Right. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Well, the, pro- the but the problem in Terminator is the fact that in Terminator 2, he gets killed by another Terminator. So that Terminator should understand he should that that's know that. Happen yeah. that it's, and yeah. plan for that. That's the equivalent of monologuing for a Terminator, is to yeah. leave him not quite destroyed and walk away. Yeah. He's like, oh. Uh, Deus Ex Machina? Question mark? Not really, no, because, not it's, because it's set up. Because, oh, no, here. Oh, because here. it's set up. It's set up. It's set up that, you know, it's, it's actually... This it's, is, frankly, this is a, just a different version of what happens in the book. I put, it, I put it more in the category of surprising and obvious. Obviously, it's not like anything yeah. was really at stake here. But it's kind of like, oh, yeah. It's like if everyone saw the world from Marvin's point of view, they, they'd drop Fall dead. over, yeah. 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 <laughs> so there you go. And it is, you know, it, it is, is appropriately it, set up. It is a porting over of how the book ends, where Marvin saves the day just by talking to someone, and they yeah. kill themselves yeah. as a result of it. It, it certainly works better as a visual uh, thing, because at least there's a gun involved. So. <laughs> And puppetry. Yeah. I, I, I might have preferred for some, you know, if they'd introduced the point of view gun a little while back, yeah. as opposed yeah. to like a scene ago to be like, oh, I wonder if this will come in handy. We better keep it. <laughs> the and point then, of view gun on the mantle. Yeah, exactly. They should have set that up earlier. But other than that, it's good. <laughs> it's important to put the point, of view, point, on point the, of view gun, gun on the yeah. mantle. <laughs> it's a whole theory about that. This is them packed into the trucks is a good visual. <laughs> They're just literally just hauling them away. Yeah. All smashed on drones and stuff. Well, the problem is this isn't really a resolution because as soon as they wake up or more Vogons come, they're still going to be after Zaphod. Yeah, but meh. Do you think they planned they, this they, movie as a first in a franchise? Oh, sure. 
But well, but, clearly they knew they could well, do more. They, but do you think yeah. this movie behaves as the first? Movie oh, absolutely. They because yeah. they reference yeah. they're going to the restaurant at the end of the universe, which is the second book yeah. at the end of this movie. They're they're. Would you be do, interested in seeing this team do restaurant? I'd in the be universe. interested in seeing Edgar Wright direct it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I I I'd love to, like you said, I'd love to see the Shaun of the Dead team do yeah. the restaurant yeah. at the end of the universe. Um. Or even Hitchhiker's Guide. Start over. Reboot. Yeah, reboot. Yeah, might as well. We're Why already, not? It's already we, been we six years. We just rebooted Just Friends or whatever the yeah, fuck exactly. that thing We're is. rebooting Spider-Man. No strings attached. Yeah. yeah. We haven't even gotten the third Batman, and they're going to reboot that, too. Yeah, they yeah. already announced that they're rebooting Batman after The Dark Knight Rises. What? Yep. Yeah. Holy God. Oh I'm God. like, how do you... What? How do you... How do you... How do you do a gritty reboot of that. What's going to happen? <laughs> we can't see any. Everything's dirty now. <laughs> How do you get any grittier? Pitch black. Come, come out of the theater with sand in my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> they actually throw grit on you. Yeah, exactly. Theater. It's filmed yeah. in grit, it's like, grit-o-vision. I was thinking Nolan about, will run around to every theater in the country and just throw sand yeah. in your eyes. I was like, the other way to, I was like, the other way to go is to be silly, but then that's... that's the, we already did that we, one. We've seen that one. Yeah, we did that one. All right, I got it. Go? I got it. Batman the Musical. Yeah. yeah, on Broadway. Mm. On Broadway, give it three years. Fifty sure. people. Yeah. <laughs> Batman, turn off the dark. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, that title makes more sense for Batman. It totally than makes for more sense for Batman than for Spider Man. Aside from the fact that, <sighs> speaking of Batman, yeah. look, it's the end of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. We should, yeah, really and acknowledge. We, we, yeah, literally, because I don't think they're going to do any more. We of completely them. glossed over how forced <laughs> the whole, their whole romantic. Uh, Oh yeah, he's like Arthur. Hug. We're in love. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> but we will. Well, seen, we will be in the I've sequel. Seen, I've seen less justified love affairs. If you actually break down some other love affairs in some movies, you go, you guys have been together for exactly 18 minutes, <laughs> and somehow you're madly in love. I'm still not exactly sure why Angela Bassett fell for Homeboy in Strange Days. Well, but she's had years to. Well, she's had years of him. of being around him and, and having a, like a conclusion about him. Not like I don't know where this is going to go. And I, I, it seemed a little forced. Was, I was excited when I thought that she wasn't going to end up with him. I was like, all right, movie, don't do that. <laughs> I don't mind, but whatever. The cutting That's between Douglas, the stock footage. Douglas Adams' mom, by the way, sitting there in the pub reading that. The, the last thing you see in the movie is Douglas Adams' face. Yeah, which I think is, again, is like, okay, that's a little too much. And then it's just for Douglas. It's like, okay, we get it. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, like I said, it can be a, it's a little too slavish sometimes. I think be. the cutting between the stock footage and the actual movie did not work uh, terribly yeah, well. It's kind of like, eh, do they really need that? Here yeah. we go. Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams. And credit a little too long. It yeah. should have popped like the other yeah, one like yeah. did. Yeah, oh, Douglas Adams. Oh, I'm totally, yeah. I'm totally in. We got it a second ago. Movie yeah. for yeah. Douglas. We know. Yeah. We get it. Yeah, yeah. who's this it, Douglas? It's, it's, that like, was, it's like you want to tell the movie. We get it. You know yeah. that guy. That was yeah. literally. <laughs> yeah, you know. Like that was literally his face Douglas in Adams. our face. Yeah, you're getting in our face with it with his yeah. face. And, it, and and like so many, you know, that's exactly the wrong way to do a reference because you left all the people who didn't care who Douglas Adams was going. What, the, what was that guy's face at the? And end? all the guys, all the guys that knew were like, "Oh, dude, dude, why well, you have to put his anyway, face on the screen?" Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I am a fan of this movie, sort of. <laughs> if I have a chapter skip button, yes. Uh, and if I can do my thing, where so it's better. like it's like my cut of Happy Feet, where it just ends after the penguin's gonna die. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. If I can do my cut of this where we're watching it, I'm showing my kids Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the movie, trying to get them interested, reading them the books at night. And then and I'm I, like, oh, my God, look. Like, <laughs> yeah, skip, 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 skip. And then the improbability drive comes out of hyperspace or <laughs> improbability space, and they're at Magrathea, and the movie plays on. It's like, well, the pacing wasn't exactly right, but you get the idea. It's a short movie, but I liked it. As it is, it's there, there's some casting that really works for me, and it's interesting to me, having read a bunch of IMDb boards in preparation for this, who works for people and who doesn't, because it's not unanimous. The only one that is unanimous is Bill Nye, 
Uh, and the rest of them are <laughs> yeah. sort of like, I fucking love Zaphod. I don't like Zaphod. I love Ford. I don't like Ford. Like, everyone has a different interpretation of it. Some of them work for me. Some of them don't. Ultimately, I, I do wish we got to see Restaurant. I wish we got to see the next. I want to, it's like, hmm. maybe after having heard the reception for this movie, they would have gotten it. That said, I would also just as readily see a remake of this with a different team. In any case, this movie isn't, isn't quite right. And uh, <laughs> it's not right, and, is it? And the most, and the most you can say about it is that it's that mostly, film ain't right. <laughs> is that it's mostly harmless, Brian? It's mostly harmless. Yeah, I think you, I think you summed it up pretty well. It's I, this movie is eighty percent there. It's there's a lot of <laughs> yeah, and ninety four percent not there. That's the weird part. That's the way the universe works. Yeah, uh, it's all the stuff that's from the book works pretty well, and then when they try to to uh, go away from that or skirt that or do whatever. It it just doesn't work, um, so I don't know if it. I I think at times it's it is odd actually. It is self contradictory because it's a little too literal of a uh, adaptation to the book. But when it strays from its literal adaptation aspects, that's when it really fails. Right. So you go, oh, okay, I don't care. Back to literal. Yeah, yeah. So I'm willing to. Okay, it's but, fine. I'll take it. Don't be so literal, movie. Oh no, oh, no, oh, that's what you're <laughs> gonna do. No, no, no. Just just stick with the literal. Yeah, yeah. But there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in here, and it's not quite there. It's not quite across the finish line. There's something lost in translation. I think but... ultimately, I just don't think of the movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I forget to recall. Yeah, the in movie. the end, it it doesn't make a blip. Right. You know? It's kind of like, oh, that happened. Dark Man. Um, I think it's, I, it's weird. I think what you're talking about in terms of being literal, it's like it's very, aside from that one interlude, it's very slavish to the plot. But like we've kind of talked about that tone and the 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 sensibility isn't quite there sometimes um, sometimes sometimes, so, it, sometimes is. it is with the volgons it's certainly there yeah. and stuff like that but sometimes it's just like there are bits you're watching and you're like well this is certainly silly but for some reason it's not funny and i know it's funny in the book so what exactly is missing here it's because the book is silly and witty at the yeah. same time and this movie is most most of the time, it's silly, but it's not always witty. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. So that I mean, that's how I feel. Like you said, it's like um, this. This watching this again makes me want to read the books again, <laughs> um, but not particularly to watch this movie again. <laughs> In the chat room, Mascan forty two quotes Douglas Adam uh, to Adams on the on the subject of making a film, uh, and Douglas Adams said, "Making film is like trying to cook a steak by having a series of people pass through the room and breathe on it." No. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, and yet he wrote a script for the, for the movie. So Probably he, several. Yeah. Oh yeah. Trey. Yep. Sum it up, man. Um, forty two. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, just because he he wrote the novels brilliantly, that doesn't mean his script doesn't mean a brilliant. Script. By yeah. the way, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. And there was there was so it's, much. It's worth pointing out that there have been many <laughs> wonderful writers and novelists in the history yeah. of literature who have tried to come to Hollywood and write <laughs> yeah. screenplays and yeah. not done a good job. Yeah. yeah. And and th- this was a movie that was it had that vibe. You know, it's again the internet kind of screwed this pooch because it's you know it, it started to get this vibe that you know the, the fanboys were hating it before they'd ever seen a frame of it. It was yeah. they're, they're supposed to hate it. It's one of those movies you're supposed to hate. If you're a true Douglas Adams fan, you hate it. And you go, but but he wrote it. You know, yeah, but then they changed it after he's dead, and they're you know, and they're, I can I can speak for Douglas Adams now that he's dead because I'm a random fanboy, yeah. and I can speak for him as well as anyone else can because we can't go to the source, so what I say might be valid. So um, it's it's just one of those movies that it had a little bit of a poison taint to it before it ever came out, but the unlike some other movies, uh, you know, it actually isn't fully successful and does you know the 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 vibe was right in this case it was it's like well it's kind of a misfire and i think the issue of it is 
is again the reaction of people who weren't Douglas Adams fans. Never heard you know Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Let's see that on Friday night. You know, it's like well. Okay. What was that all about? That wasn't that funny. Yeah, what it was happened? Kind of funny, yeah. but it's you know, but not quite there. Um, you know, the movie itself, it, it doesn't quite succeed as a movie, and that's really the ultimate issue with it. It's not whether it was you know faithful or not to the movie. What they should have done material. is they should have like they they someone who's fairly faithful to it. They get the structure and they write that out. Then they get a cup a bunch of British comedians who've never read. I don't know where you'd find those, but <laughs> who've never read Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, come in and be like, okay, now make this funny. Don't even worry about it. As long as we're getting from scene to scene, for uh, don't just say have them say whatever you think is funny. Yeah. And and something like that would have probably worked a lot better because that's what's missing. They're I, trying so hard to just be like plot, 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 plot. It's like, well, let's get distracted occasionally. I that's seriously what the book wonder is doing what would have happened if you just. Handed the script to Eddie Izzard and said, "You have like a weekend. Yeah. Just <laughs> sprinkle some just Izzard on funny that. this up. Just, Go on. Just, just sprinkle some transvestite on yeah. this, please. I'm trying Izzard to th- it up. I'm trying to think of who at the time because at this point in history, Edgar Wright's uh, and Simon Pegg and that, and that crew." They're the people that need to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And if this movie were being made today, you would go, "This is the crew to do it." Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to think of who at the time. Well, if they you had just well, they done were, Shaun of the Dead. They were at the time. No. They were doing Hot Fuzz right around yeah. this point. So. I, I guess yeah. they were around, but they weren't. Available. They just weren't the quite the like established. I, said, yet. I, I would have loved to see Gilliam's take on this. Yeah, yeah. I think Gilliam could have done a fun thing. Anyway, can I, shall I uh, shall I briefly tell the time I met Douglas Adams? Oh. Trey, uh, please tell the time. And by <laughs> the way, just because there's evidence of it on the internet, so it's uh, it's not like I made it up. Listener, you can bail now, or you can stick around for a Trey story, which I enjoy very yeah, much. Trey, I, I, tell, I, tell me your Douglas Adams. There was story. that time I met Douglas Adams, and um, <laughs> there was uh, this. I guess it's also weird because it's interesting to me that the TED has become a thing. Um, TED. Uh, Way back when, years ago, there was a thing called the TED Conference. And everyone said, that was really cool. We should do another one of those. And they had a second one. It was called TED 2. And I, I went to TED 2 because our then groundbreaking computer graphic talking head uh, was part of the keynote address at the TED 2 conference. And now I think it's just called TED because they do it all the time, yeah. right? They do it yearly or whatever. It's annu- well, it, it was annual, but now <laughs> they've got like TED London and they've got a bunch yeah, of different Yeah, it's become so. a thing. But this was like only the second TED and it was several years after the first one. They said, yeah, we'll do another one of those things. And it was it was just as amazing then as it is now. It, it was really all the groundbreaking stuff. Um, at the TED 2 conference, one of the big things that they presented was um, someone made a movie that had no, um, that was done all without uh, any medium actually used. Uh, I know that sounds crazy because there's 15 devices in this room we're sitting in that can do that. But when we did the tattoo conference, it was like, we made this entire movie and no tape or film or medium of any kind. It was all done digitally. And everyone went, holy shit, that's amazing. And, you know, that's, uh, that's what it was. And, and the big thing, the big thing was hypertext. Everyone's talking about hypertext. I don't think we quite had the World Wide Web yet. But um, or if we did, it was, you know, six people. So anyway, so we did our... our they were already arguing about Star Trek. They were arguing yeah. about Star Trek. Six people but, bitching about Return of the Jedi. So our computer yeah. Graphic uh, Mike the Talking Head, we we revamped it and we did it. Participated in the keynote address and I performed it. Um, and uh, Douglas Adams was there, and he gave a talk, which was fascinating. I made sure I saw that, and he gave a talk about uh, programming his Mac and how it was a good way to to, to not write. Uh, he says I like to write uh, stacks. I guess they're called. He's like I write a stack, which is some kind of archaic Mac programming language. So I wrote this whole stack to, to calculate this thing, which it took so, and the point was it took him so much longer to write the formula to calculate the thing than it took to calculate the thing in the first place. Right. And, uh, and so he was just a fast, fascinating little speech he gave. And then uh, he was, but he was interested in the talking head thing that we did. And he did a, he then went on to do a documentary called uh, Hyperland, which uh, has recently popped up on YouTube. Like everything else has. Um, 
And uh, he wanted to do a thing with Mike the Talking Head. And so he wrote a little speech for Mike the Talking Head to do about how I'm the most currently sophisticated, you know, real-time computer graphic character in existence. And that uh, was invented by DeGraff and Warman. And, uh, and then it just went into a very Douglas Adamsy thing where I said, and so what did they name me? Me, the, the pinnacle of creation. I'm doing this from 20-year-old memory. Um, the pinnacle of creation. What did they name me? Did they name me Zagarabanza? They're completely astounding. No, they named me Mike. Mike. What the name me, Mike? I guess n- no one's a genius in every field. And then they went on to a to a interview with uh, Brad and Brad and Michael, who had created Mike the Talking Head. So I, they gave, they gave me the script, and they said, "Here's the script Douglas Adams wrote for the show, and and uh, perform it." And I said, "Great. Uh, where's the audio track?" And they said, "Well, we don't have an audio track for it. It's got to be performed." And I said, "Well, who's going to perform it?" And they said, "Well, I guess you are." <laughs> and I said, "I'm not." I'm I'm not going to perform the thing that Douglas Adams wrote. I'm not qualified. I'm not capable of something that British. he wrote. I'm not even British. A thing that he wrote that will never be repeated. Yeah. It's just for me. It's just not for me. me to perform. Anyone but one me. time, and I have to like say Douglas Adams' words, and uh, and so I did it, and it's uh, it's, and then I performed it, and you. And uh, it's funny because the the system that we use was a very very ancient precursor to the kind of thing that the Henson people used to you know for the for the Vogons in this movie it was you know a Waldo system that you operate with your hands, and so if you want to see that it's on YouTube it's called Hyperland it's a fascinating look at what would the future look like from 1990 or whenever we did that um, about what what was like the next coming thing it's called Hyperland and around about uh, segment four and the beginning of segment five is uh, you'll see my. Very Mike the not, Talking Head. Not very well done performance of uh, Douglas Adams. And you got material. to meet him? And I got to meet him. I met him at TED. That's how we met and we kind of hung out. He also went to the Museum of Natural History and was fascinated by the jellyfish because right then he was, he was writing or working on or was talking about his book, which is well worth picking up, called Last Chance to See, which was when he got rich, he goes, I'm going to go see all the endangered species before they're all dead. And he wrote this fantastic book about all these. That's a cool premise. All these endangered species, and, and and but this written it's Douglas Adams writing it, so it's this hysterical description of real things, and it really has that same like wow the universe we actually do live in is just as bizarre as the one because when he describes these endangered species, the didn't, fa- didn't someone do a, talks a sh- about the Komodo dragon? And someone did a show that was like a spinoff of that, and they got their head raped by a some, rare something parrot like or something. that. Yeah, there, I think the, something there's like the that kakapo, happened. which is a flightless <laughs> parrot. But the um, but he is his, like for example his description oh, of the of the Komodo dragon is a perfectly Douglas Adamsy description. He says the Komodo dragon is not particularly different than any other lizard. It's just larger than you'd like a lizard to be. <laughs> and, and so and then uh, then he has this whole paragraph, whole chapter about the kakapo, which is this flightless parrot that lives on an island off of New Zealand that is so insane. He says this is this is like when things live on islands, that's why they go extinct so easily because when you live on an island, and you have no predators. You evolve these bizarre behaviors that can't exist except that there's nothing threatening you. Mm-hmm. So the kakapo and its whole mating system is completely ridiculous and improbable. And he describes the kakapo mating system and it's one of the funniest things you'll ever read. Apparently Stephen Fry did the TV yes, series. Yes, I was about to say. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Last Chance to See and uh, Hyperland on YouTube. And did you Douglas Adams my, tell you my attempt to do voice life? talk. What? Did he tell you anything that like changed your life or anything? Was there any moment you were like, that's Douglas Adams, holy fuck? No, not, not didn't change my life. That it just was, happened it, to me. Yeah, it was just uh, it was uh, just listen, great. That, try it. Just, yeah. Don't try to yeah. make sense of it. Let I'll me just hang the sense Try and keep it. busy. And keep yourself busy. He's just, he was just a very nice guy. He's exactly what you think he would be. He's just a you know fascinated by everything guy and just perfectly nice and funny and, and uh, you know, just... You just whether he's sitting formally in a lecture hall or whether it's you know hanging out, it's like you just want to go. Just keep talking. I would like to sit here until I die and listen to you talk because it's highly amusing. 
And on that bombshell, this has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes and get a brand new episode every single week. You can find our forums at downinfront.net slash forums. Involve yourself in the conversation. And on the forums, we announce weekly what shows we're going to be doing so you can participate in the live chat room, which is located at downinfront.net slash live, and actually get your voice heard on the podcast, mostly because we don't tend to research while we do them. <laughs> we depend on you. <laughs> we do depend on you. You are our computer. You are our howl. You can go to the store and buy a shirt from us, and they're really funny, and we get like $1,000 from those. Or you can buy this DVD from us and get a buck. Or we'll also probably put up the audiobook just because. We get a buck, not you. Yeah. You don't get a buck. <laughs> you, don't get a buck. you spend a buck. Right. You can, uh, let's see what else is left. Matt Fade of it is the show notes, the chapter breaks in iTunes, Holden Hill designed the website, and released the iPhone app of Down in Front. I'm sorry, Android app. It's on the Android mm. Marketplace, iPhone app coming soon. And until next time, my name is T. Christie. Brian Finneter. Mike Scott. Zagarabonzo, the completely astounding. And this has been Down in Front. You can always find us at downinfront.net. Good night, good night. I screwed up the end. Yeah, I never screwed up the you end. You blew the dismount. Wow. wow. You're usually so good. That's a first timer. Who else is available? Ryan. How yeah. completely improbable. No, he blew it the same way. Yeah, it's true, he did. He put it differently. <laughs> well, he it was, laughed. Chloe said Trey Stokes, and he was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I did too. <laughs> I, la- I laughed at it. Well, no, he said this has been down in front before he did the... Ah, the oh, he did that the too? Night yeah. Night yeah. Thing, yeah. Fuck us. Trendsinyourhead.com.